from downtown, this is Tim Kitsa from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, it's a week before E3, and we're talking about old games. I've got it in my garage, but I'm not allowed to open the door yet. Erdo hopes you get fucked. <laughs> been fighting for you birdo why do you, gotta be, so, why you gotta be so mean welcome to nintendo main podcast episode 274 your place for uh nintendo fans talking about old games that you always wanted to know about but never could get your hands on and other things in anticipation of e3 which is just around the corner and i'm getting very excited about it but john has been playing oh wait let's introduce ourselves first <laughs> we are your hosts i'm trey Bazuzu. johnson i'm jeremy Seamoth Slayer, Mikowski. I'm John, Captain Rainbow Knitter. Yeah, last week you were talking about how you got a emulator hooked up and all that, you know, breaking mm-hmm. the law here on, on the podcast. I mean, I think it's, uh, I mean, for something like this, it was never really released here. I mean, I don't see. Right. Yeah. I try to do ethical emulation. Yeah. I think I've, I've succeeded here. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, no matter how you break it down, ROMs and emulation and all that, everything is illegal, but you can't, you can, there's no other way to do it, really. So, so this is, this is how we do it. But yeah, you've been playing, you've been playing one of the, uh, holy grails of Nintendo games mm-hmm. that was never actually released here. And I figured since you kind of got the big game of the week, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and start and talk about that, John? Sure. So, Captain Rainbow, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it is an, a, a Wii game that was released in Japan in 2008, never released in the United States, and I believe not released anywhere else, because the only version that ever existed was uh, a Japanese-language version. So, uh, what now, that normally would be like, oh, I wish I could play that, but what makes this one so cool and what makes... What made me want to play it all these years is that it features a cast of D-list Nintendo characters. So every other character that you meet besides Captain Rainbow was in some other Nintendo game over the past 35, 40 years, whatever. Uh, Buried deep in the game, uh, these are obscure Nintendo characters that populate this island that you're visiting. So I just, I had to play it. But when that first came out, I was like, I can't wait till that comes here. Can't wait till. Of course, it's going to come here. It's a Nintendo game about Nintendo characters. What a great appeal it has! Not only that, but it's from the company Skip, the developers of GB Robo, which was one of my favorite games on the GameCube and one of my favorite games of all time. So I just needed to play this game, and they decided for whatever reason to never release it here. Uh, take this time to go check out a trailer or something for Captain Rainbow. If you don't know what I'm talking about yet, familiarize yourself with it. I want everybody to be on the same hype level about this game as me. I, I remember, uh, I remember seeing stuff about it from IGN in uh, 
I don't know, whenever, because it came out in 2008, right? So it's about, uh, mm-hmm. so it's like 14 13 years, years ago. Yeah. So it's like a 13, yeah, 13 years, 13 mm-hmm. years, years ago. And I remember seeing it on IGN at some point. So, and I think I watched some videos or just saw stuff about it and, and yeah, it just never, it just never came over here. And it was just one of those things that I was like, oh, and for some reason I thought that maybe there was a European release, but I guess not. There was, there was no English release whatsoever of it. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe no, it was just so, too maybe it's just too oddball, or they just thought it was too weird. I don't know. I think at this point, any sort of weird thing should still get released here because we love weird stuff. There's a market for it, you especially know, weird Nintendo some, stuff. Absolutely. I mean, that's part of the reason why anybody who loves Nintendo loves Nintendo is because of the weird stuff. And this is maybe the weirdest Nintendo game ever ever released. So, a little bit more about the game. Basically, I'll tell you this. Let me get to the story here. I'll scroll down. Maybe talk about the story first. One second. So you are Nick, and when you put on your magic belt, you become Captain Rainbow. Makes sense. Uh, which is, he's a superhero, <laughs> right? And But now, Captain Rainbow's TV show is no longer popular with kids. Uh, he's losing out to the more famous super, superheroes. He's fading into obscurity. And there's this fabled island where wishes come true called Mimin Island, M-I-M-I-N. Nick travels by boat to Mimin Island to fulfill his greatest wish, which, which is to make Captain Rainbow popular again. Was it was Captain? Did Captain Rainbow have a crossover with uh, Arms then? Because Min Min is a character in Arms. Was that is that, Maybe. Is that like an earlier that. is is that an early reference to Min Min? Actually, I think Min Min is another way to say ramen because there's actually there is actually a ramen place in Chicago called Min Min Ramen. Mm-hmm. So is and, that the one that has the ramen noodle arms? The character does, yeah, and she and her uh, level is in a giant ramen bowl, so it's like very much like they're not they're not hiding the ramenness of it. And I think she's in Smash Brothers now. Didn't Min Min make it make she it is, over yeah. there? Yeah, and, and like the later fighter pass. So yeah, Min Min is became a character, but I think it's I think it's another way of saying ramen because yeah, we have a I've never eaten there, but there's a store. Well, there used to be a restaurant in Chicago called Min Min's Ramen. So, and this one, and I think it was. I don't know if it was pre or post arms. I don't think it's directly referencing the arms character, but yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, you get to this island. Uh, on the island, uh, Nick he meets all these characters that have their own wishes, which are going unaddressed, and he soon realizes that he is the one and only person destined to fulfill their wishes. So this is where I started to notice the similarities with this company's previous games, Moon and Chibi Robo, because in those games, it was all about helping other people. So I guess that's what Skip was really all about, was making games that encourage you to help other people. And I just think that's like so sweet and so charming. And it makes me love the game even more. Um, As I said, all the characters on the island are long forgotten D-list Nintendo characters. So a couple that I've ran into, I don't want to talk about all of them because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Part of the charm is seeing who's who shows up, right? There, there is, a, there is like one in particular which I think is important is a uh, is a uh, Hikari, who's uh was it from uh, Shin Oni Onigashima, which is that game. I think you could play it on Wii U actually, but it was mm-hmm. like the other Zelda game that like only yes. came out in Japan. And I watched mm-hmm. I watched the video just about that about that series, but it was basically only referenced in. Captain Rainbow and Nintendo Land on Wii U were like the only things that you actually actually no no there's actually there's a Samurai I think Warriors you should, you shows up in Smash the, there's a well as as a trophy but there's right. also a Samurai Warriors game that came out 
that has a whole campaign based around that character, Hikari, and it's actually a sequel to the NES to the original Famicom game, like the story is. So Okay. Yeah. So there is so and I think it was a I mean, I think it was a GameCube or a Wii Samurai Warriors, but it has it's called like Hikari Story or something like that, and there's an additional quest like a, a, or whatever it's like a whole nother story that you go through as Sakari and you fight the same enemies that were in the Famicom game and all that stuff it's just interesting because you know that game just never really you know never really came out and and there were stuff references in the WarioWare games too they, they you saw mm-hmm. that in there but I always just find it interesting and I, I think I have it I think I bought it on Wii U like the the virtual console version of it it's still all in Japanese so you don't really know what's going on but it's kind of cool for anybody who's a fan of the original Zelda stuff and all that. I've heard it's a more action-oriented Zelda. Yeah. has the same kind of, like, map where it's, like, one screen is each section and it kind of, like, pans when you go to the next thing. Like, it feels, mm-hmm. it plays a lot the same way as the original Zelda did, you know. Yeah, you meet him. I haven't met him yet. You meet the Famicom Wars Warriors, and they're on a break from war, and they're training to become vol- champion volleyball players. That's so that's how you got to help. You got to help them to become <laughs> champion volleyball players. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what, little, else, what else would you do when you're not warring, right? <laughs> when you're right, not yeah, out, play some uh, volleyball. And actually, it kind of reminded me of, remember in Chibi-Robo, there was the egg soldiers? Do you remember those characters? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember them. They very much behave like like those guys. You know how everybody's like moving in unison. And of course, every every character in the game is talking in that skip fashion, which the, that truncated kind of sounds like English. Like the kind of gibberish or, stuff? Like, yeah, like gibberish stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, yep. or like, yeah, exactly. Yep. Some of the other characters, little Mac. Now remember this is in 2008 when little Mac was, he was, uh, on the, on the bench. He was not being used, yeah. uh, in Nintendo games. And I think, I think captain rainbow was even before the, the punch out on Wii. So little Mac as in this game, he's out of shape. He can like barely move around and, uh, he's a sad shadow of his former self. There's Tao, the dog from chibi robo. That character actually has a function in this game. He he helps you sniff out lost items. If you hand something to him, he can find a, a similar item somewhere else on the on the island. Mm. My favorite one that I've seen so far is Birdo. So Birdo is trapped in a cage when you find him, and he's angry at this other character, Mappo. So one of the things that that's why I opened with what I said. I'll read you what Birdo says to Mappo. He says, "So Birdo says." Fuck you, Mappo. A celeb like me keeps calling you and you feign ignorance. I hope you get fucked. Go get fucked. Mm-hmm. It's all written out, but it's all like, you know. Yeah, but it's it's like a censored or it's like stars. It's, it's like the, you know, like how you would see it on a comic book or something. But that's Hubert. what. Right. And they actually bleep it in the game when he's doing his gibberish. They go beep, beep. Yeah. And so it's just like, well, OK. So I started to see. I was playing the game. And I was like, "Why didn't they release it here yet? Why did, why did they ever re- release this game here in America?" And then, oh, they Birdo want- is swearing at you. <laughs> okay, I see why. Okay, they wanted Birdo but, to be looked on more fondly than that. And I guess I've, I've, I haven't gotten this far yet, but I've heard that uh, the Birdo's goal in the game is to make the boys make all the boys like him. And so I guess maybe people weren't ready for that yet. But that, that could be a reason. I'm only speculating. Well, I think I mean Birdo was Birdo's like a, Birdo's trans. Like, yeah, I was gonna say Bur- mm-hmm. Birdo is a trans yeah. person. So I would, I think I would refer to Birdo as a them mm-hmm. or as a they, yeah. or they or a them because I don't really know. But yeah, even going back to uh, as far as like, well, the first appearance of Birdo in Mario Two, Birdo Birdo is like a is a trans person, right? I remember that being in the mm-hmm. actual 
um, the manual in, so the man- right. in the manual of yeah. it even describing that. So Birdo had a lot of dimension for for a long time. So and then just somewhere along the line became a Yoshi like uh, mirror Be- or whatever became Yoshi's Yoshi, uh, yep. tennis partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a couple things more about the game. The visuals. The st- I mean, this game has has a lot of style to it. It kind of has a comic booky look. It looks like Chibi Robo, but with a more cell shaded style. With has with like the rough black outlines that Moon had, and it looks to me like an indie comic book with like sketchbooky shading lines throughout. So I've never seen a, a, a Wii game look like this before. It's a style all of its own, and it's fun to look at because there's animated accents that pop up, like when you eat the fruit to restore your energy. A giant word appears up above your head, says yummy, and then you can see the word yummy getting filled up with color, like as if you're getting full. Mm. It's all kinds of fun touches like that. And the music is right in line with Chibi Robo and, and the other skip games. It's ukulele, very bass heavy and very plucky and charming. Lots of catchy stuff in there. So maybe to get more on the technical side of things, uh, the control. So I was playing it with the Dolphin emulator. And I've never used the Dolphin emulator before. I know it's very popular and it's like the number one way to play your Wii and GameCube games on your computer. Um, so, but the one thing that was questionable to me was how is, how's the Wii remote going to work with pointer controls and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So it works. It works with the Wii remote and the nunchuck and the pointer controls work and the motion controls work too. Yeah. I, uh, so it just feels like you're playing on Wii. I, I was trying to figure that out, but I can, I always forget that the, that the motion sensor doesn't actually have to really communicate with anything. Like nope. you don't even need a motion center sensor. Like I played, there was one time uh, that we went to, that we went to champagne for whatever reason. Well, we went to just visit Jeremy, but I was whatever. We, we were trying to play Mario party and I had forgotten a sensor bar and we ended up just doing the candle trick. We just put two candles there mm-hmm. and lit them and it was fine. Like it doesn't actually have to communicate with anything. And I have, I have a wireless sensor bar that I use like in the office here. And all it is is just a sensor bar. Like, it's not connected to It anything. calibrates it. You just turn it on, and it just, yeah, like, the whatever the little LEDs light up or whatever that it mm-hmm. needs to see. And that's all it really is. Like, you don't need, it doesn't need to be connected to anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like these two lights, which you can do with, which the candles actually worked really, really well. And all we did, we didn't even measure it. We just kind of just put them at a certain length apart, and it just worked it's, just like a, you know, yeah, we played Mario Party 8 with it. It's an infrared camera at the front of the a Wiimote, so it's just picking up the infrared light and, and using that to calibrate itself. What I did was I brought my Wii U out of, out of storage, and I plugged in the sensor bar to the Wii U, and I just set the sensor bar on the computer. Mm-hmm. So I'm running my Wii U at the same time as my computer. That works for me. <laughs> so it's like you're playing on the Wii U, but you're really not. And, right. and, when, and, right. and through the Dolphin emulator, right, you just you just like hit a button, and it... And it syncs to your Wii remote, like through your computer. Is that is that how it does it? So it knows that it's Bluetooth, right? Yeah, it's blue. So the the Wii remote is, is Bluetooth. So what you got to do is just set up your Bluetooth on, uh, hook it up to your computer first of all, without even opening Dolphin. Then you open Dolphin, and you can configure the controls on there. There's a couple different settings. One of them is uh, real Wii remote, and that's that you just hit that, and then it, it figures all that out. Uh, however, I do have to say that the pointer controls, getting that set up was finicky. Mm-hmm. And it took me about 45 minutes of 
adjusting settings. Like I couldn't figure out like everything else would work. The the controller itself registered. I could see in the test menu on on Dolphin where you could you know press this button and and see if it reacts. It does. Uh, when I got to the game, I could hit the A button and it would. Do you remember the 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 Wii safety screen with the guy swinging the Wii remote? Mm-hmm. You know, don't do it like that. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like don't or make sure right. there's no. I think it says like make sure there's nothing around you so you don't break like lamps yep. or whatever. Yeah, or hit your friends in the arm. Yep. And that screen stays on until you hit hit the A button. Mm-hmm. So I hit the A button and that screen goes away. So I know the controller is registered. The first screen of Captain Rainbow, the title screen, though, you have to use the pointer control to select start game. And I wasn't able to get the cursor to appear on the screen. And I must have set it up different ways, reset it, I don't know how many different times, 20 different times. And then I was finally able to do it. I haven't, I played the game for about two, two and a half hours, maybe. And then I shut it off. And after that, I haven't been able to set up the pointer controls correctly since. So it's not getting the setup is not, uh, is not pitch perfect. It's not easy, at least in my experience. Hmm. But once you get it set up, it feels just like you're playing Wii. Does it, can you do like the same thing? Like when you hit the home button and it's like, boom, boom. And it like comes up, the screen comes up and all that. Does it do that? That I haven't tried. You you, you know what I'm talking about? I don't think like every, yeah, like every Wii game, it says boom, boom, and it shows like reset or Wii menu on there. Yeah, I haven't even tried hitting the Wii button. I mean, there's no, the home button, I mean, but I haven't seen any any Wii home menu. Like it doesn't run a Wii home menu. You just select the game and the game starts up. Hmm. So I don't think that would work. I don't know what would happen if you hit the home button, but what? I've not seen a Wii home menu yet. I mean, the same way I would do this on the Switch as well. But you could use that as a pause anytime thing, you know, like if you're in the oh. middle of a cutscene or something, you would hit the home button and then it would go to the menu. All right. And then you yep. could go to the bathroom, whatever, if you needed to. I, I do. I would do the same thing on the Switch, even though if you try to do the same thing on PS4, it actually doesn't work. The game will keep going if you do that. I, I figured that out. Like if you go to the if you go to the, if you go to the PS4 menu and you're in the middle of a cutscene, the cutscene will keep going. When you're in the menu, what scenario would you be so, like? You know what? I want to go back to the menu, but I want the game to keep playing without me. Yeah, it's it's I so mean, it's so does. annoying. I don't know why it doesn't stop. Like the PS3 would do that, where it would stop in the middle of the cutscene if you went to the menu. But for some reason, the PS4 keeps going. Because I had that problem with Yakuza when I was I had I had to pee and I was in the middle of a cutscene and I paused it and then when I came back, my character was just standing like in the middle of the street. So like the cutscene had ended, and then it, and then he's just standing there. So the game never stopped. It was just you, like you know, so which is weird. But yeah, no, I would always, I would use that on the Wii to to just pause whenever if it, if you needed to. Yeah, there were there were a couple things getting in the way of my setting up Dolphin correctly. One was that you know with the Wii remote. First of all, I did I realized that I was sitting too close. I forgot that you have to sit a certain distance away because it's been a long time since I played the Wii. Oh yeah, yeah. And so that was like I was like, was the Wii? Am I? Do I have it set up correctly? Am I pointing in the wrong direction? I don't know. And then with all the different settings that you have to figure out on Dolphin, it was just like those two things combined together. I I, I don't know how I did it that first time. I wish I could have like written it down or something. But hopefully I can find it again. I'm sure I can. And if I can't, there's actually a second option, which I'm hearing from a lot of people online. You can, you can get... Uh, a sensor bar made particularly for dolphin. It was called the dolphin bar and it's like 20 bucks on Amazon and it has Bluetooth. So it somehow hooks directly to the remote. And I guess the setup with that is, is the easiest way to do it. So who knows? Maybe I might 
actually pick that up. It's not that expensive. I did want to say one other thing about the translation of the game, because you know that, that was the big setback. With this game, if I could have ever even played the, the game that came out in Japan, I would not have even been able to understand it. So I thought, I'm just never going to be able to play this great, glorious Nintendo game that is an homage to all the D-list characters of, of yesteryear. But somebody out there, I wish I got his name, I should have got his name before the show, did a translation, and it's great. Like, it's a really good translation. There's a few spots where they missed a random line here and there, and it just appears in Japanese. But I've never so far been uh, stuck because of it. I've been able to figure out what to do. I think they did a good job of making it understandable and making it humorous and charming. There's characters. uh, One character, the first character that you meet, she speaks in a very odd way. And it's almost like like, like she speaks in like a Jamaican accent or something. There's some kind of... Some kind of di- uh, dialect like that, but whoever translated it, they they knew enough to know. Okay, don't just write straight English. Give this character some actual character. So I really appreciate the translation of this game. They did a good job. It says it was uh, Team Kirameki was the ones who translated it. The finding have you have you heard Sounds about? Have you heard of that? Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, this was a, a dream long in the making of mine to play Captain Rainbow, and I just feel. Grateful that I got to that I got the chance. Apparently, apparently the game didn't didn't really sell that much in Japan. So I think maybe that was one of the main reasons that it never came out here. According to Wikipedia, said it said it wasn't really a success in Japan. I don't even. I don't so know why maybe, it was. Maybe it was so, too. I don't talk know. about the quality of the game overall. I think it's it's an A list Wii game. Like if it did come out here, people would regard it as a classic. I think it maybe suffered the same fate of as Chibi Robo, where like. The market was in a different place at the time. I think 2008 was also the same year that Modern Warfare came out and kind of exploded, right? So who wants to play this goofy game about a guy who dresses up as Captain Rainbow? Maybe is what they thought. I don't know. I wish they I wish they had taken a chance and brought it out here because it's it's a quality game through and through. It's very funny and entertaining and plays well. I'm enjoying it. And I intend to finish it. Yeah, according I to Wick- say, like du- duck and cover shooters got really popular around then, like. Yeah, but not, but not in Japan though. Gears like, of War. I mean, th- those yeah, ga- but I'm saying like maybe they didn't never... feel like they could compete with games like that because that's like all anybody was. Playing. Right? Maybe they were like, oh, it didn't even sell well in Japan. The gamers even don't the like it. Even Resident Evil that came out played yeah. like that too. I, I think. I mean, I, I think the main thing was because because it only sold like twenty thousand units in Japan, and that's low. That's that's incredible. That really that's incredibly low for total. They said it got like six thousand in the first week, so. That seems pretty damn low for me, even I mean, even in just Japan. So I think that's probably why they didn't decide to release it on anything else was just because of that. But that's weird because of all the, you know, like the way you're talking about it, it sounds pretty good. I don't know why people wouldn't really be into it. This is a game for Nintendo fans, you know, second to maybe Smash Brothers. This might be the most Nintendo fanny game they've ever released. And it also it also could have been since it was kind of released towards the end of the Wii that maybe people just weren't really into it anymore. Because, I mean, what, 2008, 2009? Like, I was definitely playing PlayStation 3 at that time. I wasn't playing my Wii anymore. So maybe the people had just, like, moved on from the system, you know, and it just wasn't as popular as it used to be, and they just didn't care. I don't know. Where did Galaxy come out? Galaxy was 2008, wasn't it? Or was that 2007? Uh, 2007. I I thought it was. I don't know. Yeah, it was the year after the Wii came out. Okay. I mean, we, 2008 we, there wasn't quite as much happening on the Wii. Yeah, Galaxy was the year before. Was November 2007 in Japan. Okay. So and November. What year did year. Metroid Prime 3 come out? 
That was before that. Metroid Prime Three was like 2006. I thought. I, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty early in the in the. Um, no, it was 2007. Also, August. So it was. It was exactly. It was pretty much exactly a year before that to the date. Because because uh, Captain Rainbow was the 28th and Metroid Prime was the 27th. So in my head, canon, this always gets compared to uh, Tingle's Rosie Rupee Land, which mm-hmm. is another game that I want to play at some point. That one actually did get a European release, but it never got ported here. But the DS is region free, so there is a possibility I could play that someday. But that's more, you know, just in the Zelda universe, I think this is even more remarkable that it's all Nintendo's, like, tertiary characters or even beyond mm-hmm. that. I would like to see that. I don't know. I want to see. I want to see Birdo all pissed off. Like Birdo always kind of pissed off. I mean, it's literally just spitting eggs at you the first time you meet him. Meet him. Meet them. Yeah, it was kind of a little Conker's Bad Fur Day moment, but with Birdo, it was fantastic. Yeah, I'll have to see if uh, I'll, I'll try and see if I can get this thing to run on my computer. I don't know if I've actually tried. The, I, I use I use some sort of a GameCube emulator that I said last week that mm-hmm. didn't work very well, but I could always try this one. I've never successfully emulated anything past. The PlayStation 1. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first time... Well, that's not true. I, I played uh, N64 last week. So past the N64, yeah, this is the first time that I've emulated any game. And I just want to re- reiterate, too. I, I think if you if the game is available to you in any for, shape, way, shape, or form, your moral imperative is to buy the game. If, if, if you want to play the game, you buy it. Of course. This game... Yeah. This one is, is not, yeah. It was never released here. And it, in all likelihood, will, will never be released here. If it is released here, I will certainly pay full price for this game. It's it's a quality game, and this is the only way I could play it. So, I would, so here it is. I would love to for this to be the and one and one more thing from E three next week. It's going to be <laughs> the uh, new Captain Rainbow. And one more thing is a re release of Captain Rainbow. It's not even HD version. It's just the re release, but translated. I mean, it, is Pride I month, it. it would fall right in. With Birdo and yeah, that's true. the rainbow I mean, and all that. I mean, I think that people would still go crazy for it, even if it wasn't an HD version or if it was just a re-release. I would buy it, whatever. I'd pay, f- I would still, you know, I would buy it for $60, even if it was just a re-release. I would buy it for $60, too. Yep. Just because of just because of the legend of it and, like, the, yeah, just, just of, because I remember, I remember hearing about it and being like, oh, this game looks awesome. Like, you know, weird, more weird Nintendo stuff. That's that's what I'm always about. I love weird Japanese games. Yeah. You know, I'm, I would buy it just it. to be, yeah, to show to tell Nintendo, hey, keep doing stuff like this. Like, I support this decision, this weird ass game you're releasing. It like do this with other things. Do this with Tingle's yep. Rupee. Do this with Mother Three. God damn it. Yeah, I I, I definitely try uh. to pay for. I, I try to buy stuff that's you know that wasn't released before. You know, you know when I can. Even though I you know I didn't get the. Hey. Famicom Detective Club yet, but I am I'm still planning on getting it at some point. But I mean, it's like, you know, I try to support those things that I can, like the stuff that didn't come out here and then came out later, and that's always great. You know, I'm planning on getting that Ace Attorney game whenever that comes around and stuff like that. So, I think Nintendo, like, if you can put out your your AAA Mario series on a subpar port and release it that way, like I say, what you do is just throw all these games that people have been in your ear about for decades, put them all on one disc. Don't do anything to them. Don't do HD. Don't do anything. Just copy paste it onto, onto one disc. Mm-hmm. We get earthbound uh, mother, th- mother, th- we get mother three. We get captain rainbow. We get Dosh and the giant, every obscure game that people want. Just put it all on one disc. Here you go. Shut up. 
<laughs> have at it. it. It'll be like it'll be like the other side of the of the Mario 3D All Stars, mm-hmm. where they just kind of kind of threw everything on a cartridge, and they're like, "Here you go." It's uh, we're not really doing anything to any of it aside from messing up the aiming. But here you go. <laughs> so there you go. But they could uh, they could mess up the aiming on this because now I have the controller that fixes everything, so it would be fine. But yeah, no, that would be great. I would lo- I would love to see I would love to see that. Like a, you know, in, isn't like even like the Advance Wars guys in there even and stuff like that. Battalion Wars, didn't you say they were in there in the Captain Rainbow? Yeah, the, the, the Famicom Wars guys. Yeah, Famicom Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The volleyball team, right? Right, the volleyball team. Oh, I, I thought that was Dynasty Warriors. I guess I guess I messed it up in my head. No, that that makes more sense. I was like, why would the Dynasty Warriors be in there? I think I was just thinking about it because we had just talked about Hikari being in there. Oh, right. But yeah, it would have been, uh, I guess they would be called, yeah, they would be called the Famicom Wars because that's what it's called in Japan. And it wasn't actually, even though it was on Famicom way back when, it wasn't released here in the Game Boy Advance, so that's why it was called Advance Wars mm. and all that stuff because that was when it finally came to America. But yeah, yeah, they no. even referred to themselves as the Famicom Wars so- soldiers, so I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, well, I mean... They're not are, just some soldiers. They're the Famicom Wars soldiers. I'm sure the people that were translating it wanted to keep it exactly like how it would be. You know, you want to make it authentic. So they would be called Famicom Wars at that time. Which you can play those on Nintendo Switch Online, but it's not. It's all in a different language. Which I did actually try. I, I played... What was that? I played Fire Emblem, the Super Nintendo Fire Emblem game, or Super Famicom Fire Emblem, on Nintendo Switch Online the other day. And it's fun. You just don't know what's going on in the story, but it looks great. Mm-hmm. I wish it was translated because the animations look so good, you know, because that because that 16 bit Fire Emblem animation looks incredible. But it's like I just kind of played around with it and just beat a level or beat a map because I know how to play it enough. But it was like, man, I really wish this was translated. Hopefully the hopefully that first Fire Emblem made made enough money where they could start just releasing all the other ones that didn't come out here. That would be really nice. You know, maybe we'll maybe we'll see that next week. Who knows? Maybe. But yeah, this, I mean, obviously you didn't waste your time here with this. I'm sure you seem pretty psyched about it. But yeah, still. I'm going to play it through to the end. Absolutely. I'm going to figure out how exactly to make this thing more reliable so I can start up the start up with the Wii Remote every time and it'll work. And then I will play the game through until the credits because it's been 13 years and now I have the opportunity. So wouldn't that be silly if I was just like, oh, cool, I tried it and I put it away forever after all this time? No, I would I would it. think you would want to play, play the rest of it because there's not really any other options. Like there's very small percentage of it ever getting re released, and Skip doesn't even really exist anymore, right? The company right, they went know. out of business. Yeah, so unfortunately, yeah. But Skip might be the I, I don't know. I, it might be the most underrated studio like ever. Like all of their games are great, and I don't think any of them were really hits ever. They had another one on on GameCube, which I was intrigued to try, and I'd heard about this game before. I just didn't know it was theirs. Gift Pia, remember Gift Pia? I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember Gift Pia. I thought Gift Pia was. I thought maybe that would have been Wii, just because it was towards the end of of GameCube. But no, I remember Gift Pia because yeah, people involved with uh, Chrono mm-hmm. Trigger were were on that as well. Right, it was their first one. It was before Chibi Robo. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I remember here talk of Gift Pia, and there's another thing on there's another thing on Switch that has to do with some Earthbound people as well. But I don't think know if it's actually Skip. It's called like Work Work or Work X Work. There's a free demo of it you can play, but it's all in Japanese and it's heavy. It's like heavy dialogue, so you, you can't really tell what's happening. But it kind of feels like a maybe it's like a board game or it's like an RPG that looks like a board game. I don't know. I couldn't really tell what was happening with it. But the art style really looked a lot like Earthbound. So, but yeah, no, definitely. It's uh, I thought it'd be cool to be able to talk about you know an old game since I, since we're all just kind of like anticipating whatever's going to happen with Nintendo. It's like, what about this uh, piece of Holy Grail here? 
that nobody really talks about at all. That's a good old Captain Rainbow, which I always, uh, Captain Rainbow always reminded me of, uh, I'm, I keep forgetting his name, but the guy from the, the TV show from the eighties who was, uh, Captain N, right? Captain N, right. He makes yeah. me think of Captain N because Captain N kind of had a weird crew of people. I mean, they weren't necessarily D-listers, but they were definitely really bad representations of those characters. You know, like yep. like Mega Man was green and drunk and angry or whatever, and and like uh <laughs> and like what Simon Belmont was like uh was like shitty and he had, yeah he was all like he was all he was like super egotistical and like yeah he was like an asshole and yeah and Kid Icarus ended every word with Icarus or something Icarus Icus, what did yeah. he say yeah and Kid, yeah. I- Kid Icarus was like called Kid Icarus instead of Pit right they didn't really they didn't even look at like what the actual name. Of it was, I think he just, like, yeah, he ended up with Icarus, a lot of stuff. And then there was a yep. weird like mother brain with a face, which kind of sort of resembled resembled the mother brain we see later in. Uh, it had the voice of in Super Metroid, so plant from know. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, <laughs> feed me, Samus. Yeah, so I mean that that's the first thing I thought of when I saw it was like, oh yeah, it's like Captain N. Like, King Hippo weirdness. and the eggplant monster were friends, of course. Oh yeah, eggplant monster. Or yeah, eggplant. Duck. What was that? The wizard. Eggplant. Eggplant, eggplant wizard. Right. Yeah. I hate those guys. They turned into, turn into eggplants. All right. Well, uh, let's move on then. I've uh, been playing the same games that I was playing last week. Surprise, surprise. It's still basically the same thing for me. But I uh, I played, I played Maga- I'm still playing Megami Tensei, the very first game on Super Famicom, the translated version of it. And it's, uh, I'm still enjoying it. I made it through the first, uh, the first dungeon. I beat, I beat the Minotaur, which is like the first boss of that. I know last week I said I was out of mag, but I realized that you can return, you can basically return all your monsters to, uh, you can basically take them out of your party and then you won't like lose any mag and and they won't lose their health. So I just took everybody out of my party and you can do that for free. And I had enough money to like summon them again because you got to pay to summon them back. So I just took them all out of my party and just started just fighting with the two main characters that you have so you won't lose any mag. And then I just built up mag. Until I had enough to start bringing back in more characters, so I brought in Cerberus, and then I bought in whatever the next, whatever the next most uh, strong demon was that I had, and then I just kind of went around and and just I went down to where the Minotaur was, and built up my mag until I got to the Minotaur, and then I basically summoned everybody for the Minotaur, and then I beat the Minotaur in one in one uh, round, and I actually, uh, well, not like one round, but I didn't get killed at all. I actually didn't get killed at all this whole time that I was playing, which was I thought was pretty good. Like, I went through without getting one game over, so I, I definitely felt like I'd gotten a lot better at the game. But that was how I went through there, and I, I beat the Minotaur, I got to the Sky City, I got to Valhalla, and I got to buy more weapons and stuff like that. And I don't know if this game was ever actually officially released in America, but I wish it would. I would love to see, like, a a Mega Ten collection where you just go where they have all the original Shin Megami Tensei games and all that stuff on Switch. And I think that's partially why I bought Shin Megami Tensei Three was in hopes to, you know, show support. So maybe some of the other ones would come over. But yeah, no, it's a, and it's really impressive for an, for a Famicom game. Like I was watching videos of the actual original Famicom game and it totally has a 3D maze in there for the original Famicom. And that's, I mean, that's impressive. I know they kind of did a similar thing with uh, Fantasy Star, but I think this was before that even. So it's like, it's just amazing the things that they did. Like it's, people talk about how much, uh, I said this last week, but people talk about how influential the Dragon Quest games were from the beginning. But I think the Megami Tensei games were incredibly influential, too. Like, they were also doing things that no other console RPGs were doing at the time. So it's 
it's nice to just take like a history lesson and just go back and play all these games and and you know like the and the and all the demons are like you see a lot of the same demons in there that you that you do in the other ones. I mean, there's even more. There's more in the later versions, but as I said, is my middle name Pazuzu, which uh, I was really excited about getting Pazuzu and Shin Megami Tensei three. But I actually found how I could get Pazuzu as well in the very first one. So Pazuzu was like all the way back to then. And uh, if you guys don't recognize the name Pazuzu, Pazuzu is the demon that possesses Regan in uh, The Exorcist. That's why I was uh, pretty excited about seeing Pazuzu in the game. And Pazuzu in Shin Megami Tensei 3 looks like pretty much exactly like that demon statue that you see at the very beginning of the Exorcist movie. So I thought that was really cool. Like there's that's what's great about these games is their uh their depictions of like these demons and gods and whatnot are very accurate to like uh to like how religions have drawn them or whatever. So it's it's pretty cool. I even I even caught a gremlin in uh Shin Megami Tensei 4. And it basically is like a little spirit and it has all these like screws like flying around by it. So it's like the old gremlin, you know, like the, what they would say would like destroy me and machines and gremlin. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's supposed, so it's based off of the, the world war two gremlin that like destroy it. So it looks, it's coming out of this like explosion of a, of screws and stuff. So it makes it look like it's coming out of an exploded machine, you know, and it doesn't obviously doesn't look like the gremlins from the movie. It looks like more like the original mythology of gremlins and all that stuff. And, I like it. I dig it. I would love to, uh, there's not that, you know, Shin Megami Tensei isn't that popular here in, in America, aside from the Persona games, but I was just looking around eBay, just, I would love to get like an art book or like an actual, like a demon compendium or something like that, that has like, that just shows like all the demons from all the Shin Megami Tensei games. I was trying to buy like, even like a strategy guide for Shin Megami Tensei three, and I could only find ones in Japanese. I couldn't find any English ones. But there were like art books and stuff for Shin Megami Tensei Four that I could actually find, and if they and there was this is like part of our news, but there was a rumor that uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five is actually coming out this year, like and that it's coming out in November, like November eleventh. And uh, if there is an actual like art book version of that, that I might may be tempted to get it just because there's nowhere I can really find like anything that just like lays out all the demons for me and all that, and I kind of want to see all of them, so. And I ran into a, I ran into another like uh, um, another crazed Shin Megami Tensei fan on another stream that I did last week as well. Shin Megami Tensei people are very intense. I'll, I'll tell you that. Or at least the ones that show up on my stream are incredibly intense. Because there was a because I put something because I, I you know I I, just, I streamed Shin Megami Tensei three last Thursday, and I put up on my thing I was like, hey, is Shin Megami Tensei five real? And then some. This guy shows up and starts throwing me, throwing all this knowledge at me about Shin Megami Tensei and blah blah blah, and <laughs> how three is the worst one, and, and all this other stuff. And yeah, pe- people Shin Megami Tensei fans are kind of they're kind of intimidating sometimes. <laughs> they really come at you with a lot of information. He was very much like that other guy from Venezuela, but on a whole other level. Sometimes, uh, sometimes people will just come at you, even when when you have like no streamers or when you have no people watching your stream. They come in and tell you all sorts of shit about Shin Megami Tensei. I don't I mean, know. They're a lot like you. They want to. They want to. the The fandom is the yeah. fandom is very intense about it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that much. But in in the Shin Megami Tensei one that I've been playing the HD re release, uh, I got to. Uh, I made it through the second Kalpa. The Kalpa is like the the labyrinth where there's these mazes that you have to go through. But I think there's like seven of them, and if you complete all of the Kalpas you'll get the actual demon ending in the in the end of the game. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the true demon ending. So I've killed... You have to kill these fiends, which are kind of like super bosses. 
And every time you kill this fiend, you get a menorah, which is the same menorah, like the uh, Hanukkah menorah, you know, with all the candles and all that. And you have to, you have to put the menorah in the, in the Kalpa, in the, in the labyrinth to unlock like the next section of the labyrinth and all that stuff. So I made it through the second one. And right where I got to where you put the menorah on, I had to release the four horsemen of the apocalypse to go out into the game. And now I have to go kill the horsemen and get the menorah from them and then come back to the, to the labyrinth. And find the other parts of the labyrinth. So that that's basically where I'm at in the game. Supposedly the the horsemen are hard. I haven't played them yet. I just I just release them into the world. So that'll be my next thing to do. But yeah, I still really really dig these games. They're a lot of fun, and I, I like all the I like all the demons and stuff that are in there. I would just love to have. I would like to just have a book that just like showed me all the different combinations that you can do and stuff like that instead of just looking at it online. Like if I could buy some one somewhere, I I would. And when when I was searching around for a for like Shin Megami Tensei guides, I ended up stumbling on a on like a Shin Megami Tensei hoodie that is like that is like the tattoo, which is basically the the design of the tattoo from the Shin Megami Tensei three main character, and it was like seventy dollars. But I was like, I don't know, that's really cool. <laughs> Maybe if I had some extra money, I might I might buy it. I don't know. It's it was it was something I yeah. It's like one of those that like zips up the whole front, but it has like all the design around. It. It's like the white and blue. Uh, tattoo design from Shin Megami Tensei three, and I was like, "That's that's really cool." But I'm still I'm still com- totally into those games. Uh, I'm planning on hopefully beating Shin Megami Tensei three before before like the next two big RPGs come out for me, and that's Ease Nine and uh, Monster Hunter Stories too. So that's still my plan of attack as far as games go. I don't think I'll get anything until uh, Mario Golf will be my next big thing, unless whatever the one that comes out at the end of this week. Because I know somebody already got it, so if one of, if one of us ends up liking it, then I might then I might think about doing it. But you know, oh yeah, I started messing around with the DLC levels as well. They're basically they're basically kind of like a pay extra to win type of thing. the The DLC stuff that you got, you can you can uh, teleport there whenever you want, and uh, you basically every time you beat a guy there, you get these little items that are basically kind of like rare candies in Pokemon, where you can use them on whatever character, and it'll it'll have you automatically level up. So uh, you could basically kind of go to these DLC areas and just grind the shit out of your characters if you want to. So if I wanted to like, you know, I don't want the game to be too easy, but I could make it too easy. I could just go to these DLC levels and just grind and make all my guys like I could level them all up to like 100 or whatever I wanted to, you know. So for anybody who's been wondering about the DLC stuff on there, that's what you basically get for those extra levels. It's just areas for you to grind your guys out. And I guess if you're trying to make, trying to like fill up your... uh, demon compendium and all that stuff it would help you like if you need to get to a certain level to get to a certain demon and all that stuff but yeah that's what you do there it kind of got to the point where i was like oh i'm like really leveling my guys i want to get out of here because i don't want it to be you know i don't want the game to be too easy like i I like i like rpgs but i don't like being so leveled where where the bosses are just boring you know I, i want like some sort of challenge to it so so I stopped doing that once I realized what it actually was. But, you know, maybe towards the end, if I want to grind my guys out, I, I could always go there and do it. But I've still been I've still been really enjoying the game, aside from it being being a little overpriced. But I do I do forget to say that all of the voice work was completely re-recorded for this. There was no actual voiceover in the original game. So that is expensive. So that probably makes up for a lot of the reason that it's higher for, for the re-release. But, you know, for anybody who's interested in buying those games, I think they're great. And I've, and I've really been enjoying them. And, uh, oh yeah, no, I, I need to talk about this for sure. I, I don't want to forget it. So, uh, I was, uh, I was basically in this dungeon before I got to the Kalpa and you have to fight these, there's these like four Anis, uh, 
and they're and they're all they're all different. You know, they're basically four bosses. There's three Anis, and then there's like an Ultra Ani, the fourth one that you have to fight. And the final one, this was one that uh, Phil actually mentioned while he was on our show, and I actually texted him and thanked him for it because I would never been able to get through it if he didn't like talk about how to do it. But there's this one, there's this one Ani that you fight at the end, and it's basically kind of like an optional uh, super boss. But he'll basically he'll basically turn into like five or six Anis. And if you you know the way the way that the the way that the battles work in Shin Megami Tensei, every time every time that you like miss every time you miss a hit you lose two turns, and if you get if you basically hit somebody with something that's strong against them you gain additional turn, and this character would make like five different characters, and if you don't hit the right character you automatically miss so you lose two turns and you only get four turns per turn so. If you don't know which the right one is, you'll never get a hit in ever. And they keep doing these they keep doing these spells where it raises the evasion level as well of the characters. So I basically I, I completely died because I couldn't hit the character whatsoever. But I remembered that Phil said that if you fight the boss in a full moon, there'll be a shadow under the main one. So I basically went back and just ran around until the moon cycle got to full moon. And then I went and played it again, and the shadow was there. And uh, it was easy. It was way easier because I could hit him every time. So uh, I have I have Phil to thank for that. So anybody who's playing Shigami, Shin Megami Tensei, if you get to that, uh, what is it, on Angio? I think it's the main. It's like the main Ani that's on there. Make sure and you wait till a full moon, and then and then the shadows will be there. But that's that's what I've been playing. Aside from that other thing that Jeremy and I have both been playing, and that could be a transition to that if you want to talk about that game. Sure, yeah, because that's really about all I have to talk about. I. Other than what I talked about last week, I played uh, Mario Kart a little bit with Shauna this past weekend, but we had been hanging out with her brother and his partner for a little while, watching some movies and had a couple drinks with them. So by the time we started playing Mario Kart, we were already kind of toasty. So we, had, we we intended to play the drinking game, but I think we only got through like one round of that and we're like, we can't do this. So that's really all I played this week other than the game that I've passed 30 hours on now, apparently. Yeah, you got more than me. You're like 35 hours in there. I don't know if I'm <laughs> further than you, but I have. Well, an hour, an hour count you are. I mean, yeah, I don't know. You count. might, you might be further than me in your so habitat. Something or that's weird about that game is instead of it saying like once you hit, you know, so it won't say that I've played 30 hours. It'll say I played one day in six hours. So it actually breaks it down to the amount of days you played. Oh, weird. The game and your overall time, and uh, that's kind of weird. But yeah. So now it's saying I played like one day, 11 hours or something like that. So I'd, I had no idea I'd been playing that much, but a lot of it's just been dicking around. Like, I feel like I'm kind of stuck right now, but I'm, I'm kind of stuck too. So, so we might be at the same, like you got to the underwater habitat, right? Cause you found the, yeah, that's like the last major thing that I found. And then I found another PDA down there and it was like way far away from everything else. And then it led me back to the habitat again. Like it gave me a, it was like new coordinates added and I like put in the coordinates and these it's the exact same coordinates that I had from another PDA. So, Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Cause I, I found know, the same thing. Or not. Yeah. I found the same thing and I didn't get any new coordinates, but what I was doing is I just, I just started like revisiting all the places that I had already been to, you mm-hmm. know, just to see if they were, if there were new this like PDAs the there and stuff. So that, that's kind of what I was doing. And I started, uh, I have, I have gardens now in my habitats. So I started growing the, the boba, plant which basically gives you a lot of water so i don't need to, i don't need to ever hunt fish down ever again which is great like that was that was pretty cool i, I haven't gotten a bladder fish in a long time because i've just been uh, i've just been planting these boba plants 
and then I just hack a part of them off and then eat them, and I hack them off until they until they completely disappear, and then I replant it, and it's just like goes on and on and on forever. I never have to hunt anything ever again. So that's pretty cool. And I also got the uh, water fountain finally. I actually made one of those, but that thing takes up so much damn power that I had to put like I don't know. I had to put like. 10, 11, some uh, fucking uh, solar panels on the top of the habitat because it takes so much fucking power. But I built a moon pool too, or a mo- whatever the fuck, moon pool, I think is what it's called. I got one of those. Those are fun, you know, so now you can put your little, your sea moth I want to know there. where you got aerogel because I can't figure out how to get any of this stuff for aerogel. I think I actually found it in the area by the habitat. They're these little, they're these little guys that are on the ground. They're just little round jelly looking guys, but they're on the ground mm-hmm. and you just pick them up. You just pick them up off the off the seafloor, and then you turn those into gel, and that's how you do it. Oh, so that's uh, that's how I do it. I had I had to follow around those stalkers for a while to get them to finally drop teeth. You know that that was that was kind of annoying because I have you scanned a stalker tooth yet? Yeah, I did. Because once you do that, you can just use your scanner room to find them. Like they're all no, over I, the place. Actually, I I did I did that, but I had a problem with it. I basically scanned and it showed me where the tooth was, and then I mm-hmm. took my you know I, I took my little uh, remote. A camera thing and put it over there and then the stalker went and took the camera and then put it in a different place <laughs> so i couldn't so i couldn't find it. i mean I, f- I just went over there and found stalkers and just just stayed by them until they dropped teeth because yeah. that's because remember last week we were, we were saying that we didn't know how to do it but they basically teeth fall out of them whenever they're trying to grab metal stuff mm-hmm. so also you can you can also like park your sea moth right next to them and they'll try to eat your sea moth and their and teeth will fall off of that too so mm-hmm. that's so that's what I would do. I just park. I'd park my. I'd like hit him with my sea moth. I would like run directly into him and then just park it right next to him, and then I just watch him try to eat the sea moth, and then I just pick their teeth up when they when they fell down. So I, I got a bunch of them through that way. But yeah, it was a. I, I did the thing. I did the scanner room where I found all the stuff. And yeah, you know the idea is you go and you take your camera there, and then you and your camera becomes its own waypoint, and then you go to the way to the camera. But but those guys will move your cameras, so. They moved it away, but you can you can make stuff in there where it'll actually shock them to where they won't do that. But I don't, I haven't gotten that blueprint yet. So, oh, like when they get near your thingy. So I, I've I've just have it to where because I upgraded the scanner room to where it just goes to my hood and it shows me where stuff is. Oh, okay. And I haven't needed to move my cameras around. Like, oh, well, okay. In a yeah, I don't have places, the, I don't but, have that yet. Then whatever that is. But yeah, it's it's cheap. And, and it just makes it to where when you're swimming around, you literally see a waypoint for the thing you're scanning for. So I did oh, that cool. for, yeah. I did that for the stalker teeth and I, and I did a little swoop around the area where my habitat is and I got like 10 of them. Oh, that's like nice. They were just laying all over the place. And so now I actually see them like now that my eyes are trained, you know what they look what like, they yeah. look like, like yeah. now I'll, I'll, I'll see stalkers and I'll be like, Oh, okay. Where well, there's some metal over there. And usually there'll be a tooth nearby it. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, that's the way I've done it. Because there's like a story in one of the little PDA things that talks about somebody taking a piece of metal out and kind of fishing for stalkers. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go get the ones that are already discarded. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I, I ended up just having to look online at a guide because I was just like, I don't know how to find these dumb these dumb uh, teeth. Because I thought you had to kill them and like remove the teeth from them. But yeah, no, like they just drop them. So. Well, definitely upgrade your scanner room. To do to go to your PDA, and then you can also expand the the range of your scans and stuff. Yeah, I already did that. That was that, the first thing I did was expand the the area. But I mean, anytime I've needed anything, like I find it so fast now. Except with the exception of copper, for some reason, 
copper well i guess maybe you, there's a randomosity to where it spawns can you make it find lead because i couldn't get it to make i couldn't get to find lead even when i scanned lead i'm not sure i haven't i haven't done i've not had any problems finding lead because uh, oh, well i mean i found a bunch of lead but it was one of the point where i needed a lot of lead and i'm like well why can't i scan for it and i was like well maybe i haven't scanned it yet and then i when i did find lead i scanned the lead and it said i already scanned it so like it wouldn't let me scan it so i'm like okay i guess that thing you can't look for in your scanner room. It's weird that it was only specific things. So I found that weird. I was like, why can't I look for lead? Like that, you should be able to look for whatever you need. You know, that's what I figured. But well, one thing I need to recommend to you if you haven't done it already, and this was Dan told me this today at work earlier today, and I came home and I did it right away, and I did it with a few of my habitats actually. So now I have five or six habitats, and he's like. You need to make a bioreactor. I'm like, I don't want to make a bioreactor. That seems like a pain in the ass. Yeah, I didn't make one yet. I made a uh, habitat down. And so I made a habitat down where you find the the colony way down in the cave. So it's like close to 300 or it's right at 300 below sea level. And I built it and I'm like, well, this is dumb, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to throw a solar panel on it and see if it somehow (laughs) picks up energy, which it didn't. It never did. I'm like, well, what the hell? I mean, I want to build a habitat down here well turns out yeah you have to use like a different power source than solar obviously because there's no sun in a cave i figured that so that's when you need the bioreactor the bioreactor is awesome i'm glad i built it it's really powerful right it's super powerful and i literally just with that in combination with the gravity trap you're set like you don't need solar like you can just do whatever as long as there's organisms nearby like the fish and stuff because you just throw them into the bioreactor you can also if you're anywhere near the oh you, uh, you have to you have to feed it so it so it'll keep providing energy right yeah okay but it's it, you get a lot out of a small amount creeper vines if you're because i have a habitat that's right near like a big creeper vine, creep vine yeah yeah those things you can just Go up, slice them up, go back, throw them in your bioreactor, and like you're good to go for a while. So hmm. I built my deep, deep sea, the deepest one I've gone so far. It's really close to like a lava vent. And I've got that going, and I actually built a moon pool there and everything. And I and I wouldn't have built a moon pool, but <laughs> so my name at the top of the show was uh, Sea Moth Slayer. And that's because I think I'm on my fifth sea moth. Yeah, yeah you, I saw that in the notes that you were really good at destroying sea moths. <laughs> and I actually uploaded a couple of videos to my Twitter today. So I captured two of the destructions of my sea moth and they're both pretty funny videos, especially the first one. I think I watched the video uh, of you uh, sleeping for the first time when you got a bed. So yeah, I just got a bed like a couple of days ago as well, but I was, I, I was at my newest habitat, which is down there and it's, it's near those big mushrooms that have the big eels swimming around that like go inside the mushroom, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I built my habitat there. And I was going inside. I built my bioreactor. I was I made my uh, fabricator and everything. And I was getting it all set up nice for further exploration, you know. So while I'm doing that, I hear like a weird sound, like an explosion. I'm like, what was that? So and you can see it in the video. I go and I like look out the front door. One of those eels has swam over and just destroyed mm-hmm. my sea moth. He just wrecked it. Oh, jeez. And I go out inside. <laughs> And there's just a pile of debris on the ground. Like it's gone. I'm like, fuck man. Like that wasn't even my fault that time. Like I, <laughs> I like was taking good care of it. I kept healing it up. You know, I kept repairing it. I had upgraded it. It had the three, they had the upgrade so that it could go to 300. 
Yeah, I, I don't know how to... I have an upgrade, but I thought it was from a different piece of machinery. Because it doesn't say Seamoth. It says for like the... Whatever that other thing is that you find the hole for. Cyclops. Yeah. It, yeah. Says, it says for the Cyclops, which I figured was a new... Was a different ship that you build later. Mm, I don't have that one yet either. Uh, well, you just make the weapon... Up, or you just make the vehicle upgrade station and then you put that in your moon pool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know and if then, I have that. So you have to build yeah. that inside your moon pool along the railing and then... That's where you get the module, where you can make the modules to upgrade your Seamoth. And there's like a category for just Seamoth. Oh, okay, yeah. So, I don't, I don't um, know if I know how to do that yet. Yeah, I upgraded it to go a little deeper. And there's some other upgrades that I haven't done yet. But I just wanted to go like, you know, instead of 200, <laughs> now it goes to 300. And that made it to where it was more feasible for me to have a, a habitat down can you down there but i mean can you find a way for it to defend itself from from sea monsters yes. that are destroying Eventually your you can, yeah <laughs> yeah but it involves a lot of resources i haven't encountered yet so i haven't been able to do that but so what i just did was i was like fuck it, i'm gonna build a moon pool down here too so i built a moon pool so it's in a safe spot and then i went and i built a moon pool so i, I added a bioreactor and a moon pool to all my main habitats today and i'm gonna add a scanner room to all of them too i think did, did you figure out how to build up finally and how to connect no. stuff? No. You still can't do that? <laughs> no, I haven't figured that out. I, I figured out how to put a, just how to put like a tunnel on there, but I couldn't, but I couldn't get anything connected to it. Like I just stuck a tunnel like where it's green, but I can't get into the tunnel because I need to put something on top of it, but I couldn't figure out what to put on top of it because nothing would be green. So everything that I have is still just one level. But my moon pool isn't actually connected to anything. Is your moon pool no, actually I connected? I don't think it can be. It, it receives power remotely somehow from your. Oh, I, I thought that it could because I watched I watched a video of somebody like actually walking down a hallway and going into a moon pool. Really? But that might well, have I haven't figured it out. Maybe it might it might is. have been for the new one. It might have been for for below zero, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. But I found out that that robot thing that I was talking about from last week that is actually in the original game, the the mech or whatever. You do get that in the original Subnautica because I saw somebody the prawn suit or whatever. Yeah, I saw somebody using it in a stream. That was actually on Switch. It was the Switch version as well. So I've seen stuff where I can upgrade the thing that I don't have yet. Like that's within the upgrade menu. So yeah, it tells you about these things. You just can't use them. Yeah, because they kept talking about the Cyclops, and I didn't know what that is. And that's, but I didn't see anything about the prawn. But yeah, it's a uh, yeah. So it's there's still a lot of stuff to do with the game and. I still want to play it all the way through, but yeah. I, but every I time every time I upgrade something and it shows all these new things I can do to upgrade that thing, and it always involves these resources I haven't even seen yet. So what what are some of the resources that you haven't found? Rubies. Oh, you don't have any Joe. rubies yet. No. Oh, I got I got a few of those. I just found I just found them around. You know, they're just big. They're just big red. They're big red rocks that you see in walls. I haven't figured out how to collect the giant rocks yet. Yeah, so you, find, like, the giant you, deposits. you need like a specific, uh, I looked it up. You need a specific, uh, actually, you know what? I think you can only do it with the prawn suit is, is how you get it. Is it the prawn? Yeah. Cause you need to drill it with the prawn suit. Cause I thought maybe I could do it with the, with like the, whatever, with, with the uh, laser like thing, but it's not, but the laser thing doesn't work for it. But yeah. You need, you That's, need the prawn suit. And also you can that, do the same thing for getting teeth. You can punch stalkers with the prawn suit. Is what oh, I found yeah. out. You can just punch them and, the, and their, their teeth, teeth will fall out. Yeah, but if you do it too many times, they'll die. Obviously, so then you have to go find another one. But I did take your advice and I listened to a lot of the uh, the logs and stuff, and 
just i've really been digging the story that's sort of forming around um yeah they're really helpful and i like all these and, things you find yeah. and, and the voice work's done really well i think you know and it's yeah it helps to like bring you into the world and all that stuff and and you can you know it's like kind of it reminds me of like the bioshock games you know how you could just like you can just play an audio thing and you can just kind of walk mm-hmm. around like you don't have to stay in like one area to listen to it the batman games did the same thing too the arkham games did that mm-hmm. which i like that where you can just you can just like instead of reading through a whole bunch of text about the lore you can just play somebody talking and then you can just continue to play the game it's like listen to a podcast but in subnautica you know mm-hmm. yeah i think my next phase is going to be just i'm going to add a scanner room to especially i'm going to add a scanner room to my deep sea my deepest sea one because they were saying like that they picked up something on their scanners and they're wherever their spot was and I'm built kind of close to it. So I'm going to build a scanner there and see what that leads me to. But in the meantime, I'm just collecting resources, having a good time with that. The bioreactor just does a whole other loop that you get into where what you were usually doing for food. Now you're doing for energy for your station as well. So I've got the gravity trap set up and I'm collecting all these fish and I have aquariums. Like I have a couple aquariums in each one. Oh yeah. I built an aquarium too. I I filled it with a, I put like I some like bladder aquariums now. I put like some bladder fish and those other fish that mm-hmm. like glow, just the ones that look cool. I don't know. I haven't taken any of them out or anything. They're just there for for looks. Because like I said, I've just been just been eating the plants. I don't eat fish anymore, so you don't need to. They'll keep your keep your water up. And if you, whenever you make that water fountain thing, you can fill fill like a giant uh, water uh, bottle, and and it'll give you like fifty percent every time you drink it. And I think you can drink it twice, so that really helps as well. It's like the blue potion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this game. I, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be on a list for sure. I mean, spoilers, but yeah, I thought it might be, I don't know what to do next. And I keep worrying that the game's glitched out on me or something because it's, it is there's another time where I picked up a PDA and it said data added. And then I, and I went to the the menu and nothing new was in the menu. Hmm. And I went back to that spot later on and it was gone still. So Yeah, there were a couple times that that happened to me too, where I got a PDA and it said new stuff added and then I looked for it and I didn't see anything in there. So I don't know. But if you happen to find... I'm hopeful that maybe it's just like, you know, you go around and you find like the laser cutter, for instance. You find those parts everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you find parts for the Seamoth everywhere. So I'm hoping it's kind of the same thing where they're like, well, this is a huge sprawling world and we have to make it a little easier for people to find stuff so maybe they'll have multiple i don't know though because you can set your scanner to to look for those things specifically so mm-hmm. i don't know but i'm just hoping it's not glitched out on me and that there's not some game breaking bug which is why i can't progress but i don't think in the meantime, so i'm just building up my habitats and make sure you reinforce them if you're gonna add a bunch of stuff deep sea especially oh yeah, they, yeah. Will, they will rupture quickly yeah but i love this game yeah, well, so subnautica is gonna be the name of the game for a long time i think until <laughs> Because I'm Mario probably going to go straight to below zero after this. Yeah. If I keep having this much fun with it. Yeah, I thought I thought you would like it. I mean, it seemed like uh, you're a type of game, and you know, I was digging it too. So, and that's and I don't really like Minecraft. So I got the so rifle. I, I was jealous that you had the rifle. I did get that. You got the ice rifle. Yeah. yeah. Did how did and I got how, my uh, whatever my devices that moves? I got it that like oh, what is it called? The device that's like manipulates gravity. It's oh, almost like a gravity gun, but it's not quite that. But I got that, and I was the, repul- the repulsor like, rifle or whatever. It's not the rifle; it's the or the repulsor no, cannon. Maybe that's what it's called. But I, I, I like a 
sometimes on a board, I'll just go and I'll like, I'll yeet uh, the stalkers because you get right behind them if they're facing away from you and you like go behind them and hit them. They'll just, and they just go off into the distance and you don't see them anymore. It's kind of funny. Did, were, were you able to do that to the um, jellyfish in that area where the bed yes. is? Yes. Okay, because I was wondering how you that got That helped a lot. I still died about four or five times in that in that spot. Oh, yeah, I died a bunch, but I didn't. I couldn't do anything to the jellyfish, so I just tried to like dodge around them, but mm-hmm. I still automatically would always hit them, and they take it your life. It doesn't help yeah. that much because you still, you're still moving them, so they're still in the room, and they can still affect you, so you just have to like hope that you have enough battery power to maneuver them to where they're away from a spot you need to go. But yeah, I eventually was able to do that. I've been back to that spot so many times thinking maybe there's something I missed there. Oh, I, I missed, I, I missed so much there. stuff there. Cause there's like, there's a bunch of PDAs in there. And then there's also, like you're saying, there's also ones that are like way off that way off the beaten path mm-hmm. that are on other parts of there. So there's a bunch of those like lead foundation platforms that have stuff on them. Cause I kept, I kept going back there and finding more and more stuff. There's a lot of magnetite down there too. If you're mm-hmm. trying to, if you're looking for that, I found a bunch. That's of that the name of. There. I have a habitat right on the edge of that crater, and it's called Magnetite Place, and that's the one that I was upgrading for a while, and then now I'm focused on this deep sea one. But other than Subnautica and Mar, a little bit of Mario Kart, that's it, really. That's it for games. I but I did preload Game Builder Garage, so it's actually it was kind of weird because it's the first time where I bought something from Nintendo for the, you know where I preloaded something and it didn't even show it on the Switch. It just was like you won't be charged until one week before the release. Yeah. Then we'll be downloaded. And I'm like, what? That's weird. Didn't get an icon or anything. Didn't get an icon until one week. No, that's that's that's, one week to the day before it was released. Yeah. Then the icon showed up on my, that's how, that's how it works now. So, so in case you want to like take back your preload, you have, you have a certain amount of time to cancel it. So they don't, cause they used to like, and I, I find it annoying because I, would rather them just charge me now and then I don't have to worry worry about it later. But now sure. if you now if you like preload something, they won't charge you until like yeah, the first week before it comes out and it won't even show up on your Switch or anything. So if you're trying to like manage like, you know, your data and stuff like right. that, it won't download until a week before. But I think the reason they did that was like in case in case you download you buy something and then you decide you don't want to you don't want it, you can still cancel your purchase and they won't charge you. I think that was the idea, but that's how it works now, so it's kind of annoying, but that's yeah. how it is. But needless to say, it's on my Switch officially now. I you can't should access uh, it yet, but you should stream it tomorrow when it comes out. Yeah, I'd I'll watch it tomorrow at eleven. Hopefully, <laughs> it should be out at eleven. I would watch it. Yeah, who knows what to expect from that? Like, we don't have a whole lot of details about what kind of games are going to be available just to play initially. So that's kind of what I'm most excited about, even more than the game creation tools themselves. Do you yes, have any what? ideas of games you want to create on this? Nope. <laughs> Bob's Spicy Meal 2? Maybe. 3D? Actually, that would be the place, yeah. <laughs> I wish they would no, add... No, I haven't uh, really thought a lot about it, no. I, I wish they would add, like, free DLC where you could play this in VR, like how you could in the other one, you know? Uh, just just like, just make it live in VR. I mean, it's still, it's the same graphics that the other one had, and you could make games just like it in the Labo VR version, so why not just let you play the Garage one in VR too? That's what I'm saying. There's not an, there's not much VR stuff we can do with that with that cardboard headset, but I wanted to add it in there so I can use it again for something. That does remind me. I think it was sometime this past week I had a dream. Oh, it was last. It was while I was camping last weekend. I had a dream that I was given like access to. Well, it wasn't access, but I was given design docs for the new Switch 
and it's because it was in the news and whatever I was thinking about it when I fell asleep. But I had to sign an NDA, and they're like, "Okay, well, you know, we know you you're on Nintendo Main Podcast. We want you to report on this. So here's the here's the info, but you can't reveal it until you know this embargo date or whatever." So I got the info, and in the in the design doc, it was literally the exact same switch. Everything about it was the same, except the dock had a big red button on it that said Turbo. <laughs> this, this one has a Turbo Perfect. mode. <laughs> nice. That's that was hilarious. it. I was just like, and in my dream even, I was like, holy shit, the simplicity of that, it might just work. <laughs> and and if you, if you can use Turbo, it would make you a pro <laughs> Switch player. <laughs> I saw somebody put that somewhere on, a, on the Facebook group or something where it's like a Predictions for E3, the Nintendo Switch Pro, and it's actually a person that you hire to play your Switch, and he's just a really good player of Switches. It's well, like a retired game counselor. It's, it's, a, it's a Switch Pro, yeah. It's somebody who's pro playing Switch. That's kind of become the joke since nothing's really happened about the Switch Pro. But John said that what you say would be like two days before the actual uh, Treehouse thing. I think, so it, I think it's at three days. Your prediction could still happen. Sunday. Well, what, three days would be Friday, right? Or no, it would be, because what, Sunday. Tuesday, Monday... That'd be two day would be Sunday, so it'd be Saturday, I think. Because the show's on Monday, right? The show's Tuesday. on Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. Nintendo, it, Nintendo's like weird. They're not actually changing anything. They keep because they always do it on Tuesday, but now it's at the end of E3 because E3 actually starts like mm-hmm. days before that. So instead of being it, because normally they're at the beginning on Tuesday, mm-hmm. now they're at the end just because they're like we're gonna do it the same way we always did it. So. So I whatever. think it makes sense to drop some info on Friday night, give people the weekend to talk about it and and uh, you know get everything out they need to get out about the, the Switch Pro so that they can focus on the games on Tuesday. I don't know. At this point, I feel like they like too many people talked about it and they're just like, nope, we're not even going to talk about it now. Not even going to do it. So I don't know. Unless it's just going to be... I'm still of the mindset, like, what about the chip shortage? This doesn't make sense to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they can barely even do the other ones. Like, Why would they want to do a new one? I don't know. I had a dream. I mean, I had a video game related dream, but mine just involved uh, me like walking through a labyrinth and all these demons attacking me, and they were really scary looking. <laughs> so that was what that's what happened. Well, to that me. was inspired by. I had a Shin Megami Tensei dream. I had some Subnautica dreams too, where I was searching for rocks and stuff, but it wasn't really that exciting. It was just me swimming around and just looking for the same thing over and over and over again, and never having enough to build whatever I was trying to build. So mm-hmm. I've had dreams of both of those games. So. I've actually started like opening up a Word doc on my computer if I'm playing in my office, and then I'll be like, "All right, well, I want to I want to go to a new place, and I want to start a habitat. Here's all the ingredients I need to build each thing, and I'll go to the menu, and I'll just literally like make a list of everything I need to have in my inventory, and then bring that all with me, and then it's actually made it a lot easier. But oh yeah, kind of would be nice if they had some way of organizing that in game, so you didn't have to have a separate document. So one thing about Subnautica before we move on. And I didn't realize this because I haven't been following it, but this was an early access game, just like Minecraft. So my friend Dan, who played a lot of this back in the day when it first came out, he was playing the early access mode. So he didn't know. I was talking to him about story elements and stuff. He's like, there's no story. Oh, it was just building. Yeah. Into the game. Yeah. You were just using the systems and they were kind of tweaking them and adding stuff over time. So. So it was just Minecraft. He basically was just yeah. having fun. Yeah, it was like creative mode Minecraft. Well, I guess it's still survival mode. But. Yeah, I mean, there's a creative mode in here, too, where you can just... There's there's modes where you can just not worry about air or food or life or whatever, and you can just swim around and do whatever the fuck you want, and you'll never die. So, But he started playing it again because of me talking to him about it, so I'm actually kind of interested in 
what he'll have to say about it because he's spent a lot more time with the game than I have. But yeah, he gave me he gave me the bioreactor tip. I'm passing that along. Yeah, that's nothing. That's no spoilery kind of thing. You probably already have the recipe for it. Yeah, no, I've had the recipe for it for a while. I just I just mm-hmm. didn't feel like I needed to build one yet, but maybe I should now. Yeah, combine that with your aquariums and the uh, creep creeper vines, and you're good to go. I love the creep vine. If you happen to find anything that's I don't know. If you find something that like you know helps you get to like the next part or whatever, it's fine for you to text me about it. <laughs> you I'll know? share it with you. For like sure. I told you about the bulba plants and aurora and stuff like that. Because yeah, yeah, I don't know how to do the bulba plants. I haven't figured that out. All you do is just cut a part of it off and just put it in a. Do you know how to make gardens yet? Yeah, I know how to make gardens, but I don't know where to get bulba plants. They're on the aurora island. I didn't find bulba. I found like Chinese potatoes. There's like a few plants, but none of it was bulba. Oh, the bulbas are actually on the. They're actually on the island. They're not in the areas by the ship. Not they're, in the habitat. They're just growing naturally on the island. The bulbs oh, okay. are. Yeah. So and they're and they're great. Yeah. All you do is you just hack a part of it off, and you could plant it right in the garden. And I also finally f- I, I figured out that you could have done this like way at the beginning of the game, but I never found it. But I learned how to make pots too. You can make little tiny pots that you can grow stuff into. I guess that was something you could do at the very beginning of the game if you knew where to find one. But I, I finally found one. And oh wait. Yeah, I've got yeah. a bunch of like pots that I scanned in one of the shipwrecks. Yeah, apparently you could do that from the beginning. Is what somebody was saying in a guide. So I don't know, but yeah, you, you just uh, yeah, you just take a part of the plant, and it doesn't matter if it's old or not. You can still plant it as is, and you can either eat it or plant it. Just just plant okay. it, and then and then it grows, and then you can cut like four or five off of it before it before you have to plant a new one. And what I do is I'll just cut a bunch of them. And then just eat whatever, and then I have one left, and then I replant it. And I have four of them all planted in one garden. So I'll always have one to take from. And then I just replant it. And then it like takes like a day or something, and then it'll be re- – and it'll show you a percentage of how long it takes to grow and all that, but it's pretty quick. So And, and the water fountain does the same thing. But, yeah, on that note, let's uh, take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about news and such. So be right back. <laughs> Hey, you. It's me, Mario. Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! Wow! Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo Main ever made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. 
Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Domain. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and... Hey, Mario, let go! He's throwing us back to the show! So long, gay Bowser! Patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast! Game over! talk about the news for a while um let's see we'll start off how we do this sometimes when we don't have other stuff to talk about uh we'll talk about the new releases for the week garage game builder comes out on friday that's the big release of the week it is we kind of talked about that briefly because jeremy already has it uh 29.99 for on the on friday i keep forgetting the garage ambassador i keep forgetting that that game comes out like i was like oh yeah that one so do you think that we'll see any of that? Do you think that that'll be part of the uh, Nintendo Treehouse three hours of play? I do. Because they've done that before, where they get into stuff that are actually already out. I'm still so. leaning heavily into the fact that it's going to be like Mario Maker, where they're like, here's some levels made by you know actual Nintendo designers, and they're going to be some really good examples of what you can do with the game based on you know what a professional designer can make with it. That one is more important that they have some ready to go because it's going to take a lot longer to learn to do that than it will to throw together a Mario Maker level. Mm-hmm. I I would hope so. I mean the the I mean the Labo the Labo VR even in its day they were giving you levels like every week or every two weeks or whatever. So they did they did fully support that where you got like stuff that was made by Nintendo. I mean there wasn't like you know like Nintendo references in there, but there would be like here's a level that somebody made like check it out you know. So I would think they would do something similar to that for this is what I would think. But I feel like most of the, I don't know, we didn't, we didn't really talk about what we thought the Nintendo Treehouse stuff would be next, last week. We mostly just talked about what we thought would be in the direct, but I feel like a lot of it's probably going to be Mario Golf because that's like right around the corner. Yeah. So I think and there's different modes and stuff they want to show off. Yeah. So I think it's definitely going to be Garage Game Builder and Mario Golf for sure. You know, so. That would be what I would expect for the play stuff. And if that if that like Metroid thing is real, maybe they'd show some of that. I don't know. But I don't think I would love for them to show like some Breath of the Wild uh gameplay, but I don't know if we'll if we're really to that yet. I don't know I what don't it would gameplay yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would like maybe another yeah, trailer. I would hope I mean I, like what I was what I was wishing for was a trailer and a release date, is is what I was thinking, what I was hoping from that. So I think, I think we're in a release year. Release year. <laughs> I was hoping for a date just because, it, you know, most people thought it was going to come out last year. Maybe that was, I thought maybe it was like a COVID related delay. So, I mean, it's been a while and they said that there was going to be more information that they were going to say more stuff about it. So I think now would be the time. 
for them to say something. I don't know. I, I still, I'm still thinking that it's going to get a, a holiday release is, is what I'm thinking. I think so too. I think trailer and date for sure. And I think additionally, another 10 minutes of a, like a feature behind scenes, talk with the developers and all that kind of thing. Beyond that, I don't think there's going to be, it's not going to be like, you know, a major focus of the show. It'll be, it'll have its own segment and then they'll move on from it. Mm-hmm. But maybe a surprise. Ooh, look, we're going to play it on Treehouse. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I don't know. I'm still thinking that if this Metroid thing is real, that they'll do the same way they did Samus Returns, where they don't announce any of it in the direct. And right after, it's like, oh, yeah, here it is. Because they've, you know, they've always showed stuff in during the Treehouse. Like, there's still more announcements in there. You know, I know they've they've announced like Amiibo, or they announce like sometimes they announce games, and the and the the Metroid Samus Returns was announced during the at the very beginning of the Treehouse. It wasn't actually in a direct, so you know they they could very well do that again. Um, let's see what else is coming out this week. This game Umarangi, which I've actually heard about, it's like a first person camera game. It's basically like Pokemon Snap in the Jet Grind Radio world. I don't know. I heard people really liked it. It looks kind of cool. I don't know. That's one I just made a note. And of course, the Ninja Gaiden collection, I think it's probably out now as we're talking, but it's a uh, $40 for, for three games. There was too much. There was also, um, I don't know. There, there was also like a deluxe version. that wasn't that much more, more than that, but I don't know. $40 for, for three games. I don't think it's that bad. That's like a little bit over 10 per game. Depends on how much you want the Ninja Gaiden games. I bought Ninja Gaiden three for $6 on Wii U. And that was a perfect price for me, but you know, I don't know. I don't really... It was fine. You know, it's a weird action game. I never actually played it all the way through. I'm not really that interested in the Ninja Gaiden game, so that was a definite definite pass for me. But uh, there was a new Switch update that was released and then unreleased. Yeah, 12.0.3. Then re-released again. Yeah, it doesn't really... I guess the problem was that it could freeze some things. I I saw like a Mm. little explanation thing in there saying that that there were some... that people were having problems with it, and that's why they pulled it. So I, I didn't, I didn't even, you know, it didn't even, it didn't even ask me about it when I was playing my switch, when I was playing Shin Megami Tensei, it didn't even mention it until after it was removed and then put back on, you know, like when you try to start up the game, even if you're already in the game, it's like, do you want to do the update or do you want to start software or whatever? It didn't do that to me when I, when it was supposedly out. So I was like, okay, but then it, it must have already got pulled. I don't know. I was making jokes on the Slack that the, that the new update would just automatically turn your switch into the switch pro. <laughs> it'll just start saying it on the menu now it'll say switch pro even though nothing's actually changed they'll just hope that they'll hope that maybe you believe that it's the new switch pro now that'd be that'd be a funny way to do it where it's just like no it's switch pro now what happened nothing it's just the switch pro now that's just what it is that's what we'll call it we're not we're not gonna I expect somebody in the next yeah. <laughs> couple of days to dig in there and find evidence something related to the switch pro you would think i don't know i haven't heard anything yet but that's what's happening with that it is curious that this happened just a couple days before E3. Makes me wonder what's really in there. <laughs> I don't know. They claim that it was some sort of, uh, I don't know, there, there was some sort of problem with it. That it was that it was freezing up, making people like lose memory or whatever. So on the uh, we, we already mentioned the Shin Megami Tensei Five uh, rumor that it was coming out on November 11th. And what I, th- what I thought was kind of funny from that guy who was, uh, you know, who was talking to me on my stream about Shin Megami Tensei is he was actually happier that it was going to have less demons in it than the other Shin Megami Tensei's, which seemed like the complete opposite of what happened to to Pokemon, you know, where it's like everybody was mad about that you can get all the Pokemon in the Pokemon game. 
He's like, no, I'd rather have 200 instead of like 500. And I thought that was really weird. I was like, don't you want all the demons? Like, don't, don't you want to throw a fit like all the Pokemon people do that you'll get less demons? I don't know. But it looks cool. I like the idea of a worldwide release. I'm into that. I don't want to wait like another like six months like I had to do for Shin Megami Tensei 3, the HD re-release. So that'll be cool. You guys see anything about the outbound ghost? I didn't. Oh, wait. No, I did. I did look at it. This looks like one that my uh, that, that Jess would be like super into. Because uh, it's like Paper Mario style, and it's ghosts. She she loves ghost stuff. Yep. She has a big collection of ghost toys and stuff like that. So I feel like this being one that she'd want to play, and it kind of reminds me of the uh, the bug the bug game that I had. You know, it's like other bug fable. Yeah, bug fables. Like you know, people who aren't Nintendo making good Paper Mario games because Nintendo can't seem to get that right. Hey, everybody. this one's coming. Really look like yeah, the ghosts from Paper Mario. Yeah, it reminds me a lot. Visually, it looks like thousand year door like it looks like mm-hmm. gamecube style like lots of the purples and and from what i've seen of of a uh, uh, thousand year door kind of looks like that also yeah. it's coming to steam but it's not yet been announced for switch although in uh, the developer says that they have a, a switch dev kit and it might come to switch someday but the the video that they play on this article shows it running on a switch too oh yeah so yeah, yeah expect that to come yeah, it shows it. It shows it running handheld. So I was like, uh, "That'd be weird." It shows somebody playing it, and it's like shooting over the shoulder. So there you go. Let's see, uh, golf club wasteland. That one looked interesting. Yeah, it was like a. It was just golfing, golfing at the end of the world. You know, which I like. I like golf games, so why not? And I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, it sort of like dates it, but it opens up to you coughing that you like golfing right in front of a cafe building. Did yep. you guys, did you guys catch that? that? Yeah, Cafefe. <laughs> yeah there, there's like Cafefe and uh, neon lights behind you. So, or it's it says it's the golf course for the ultra rich. So, but it's a two it's a two D golf golf adventure game. It looks it looks pretty cool from from what I saw. But what was that know. golf game? It, not what the golf. There was another popular golf game, and it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Golf story? Not golf story. What was that one? I don't know. I I played it on Apple Arcade, and I know it's on Switch too. Did you did you ever get to play that game, the golf game that's like the Camelot one that's on there, like We Heart Golf or whatever it's called? That's the one I'm talking about. The new, the new it's, one. It's, but it's like I three. Th- it's a 3D. It looks like Mario Golf. Oh no, no, never mind. I'm talking about a different one. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should try that one now that you have Mario. Now that you have uh, Apple Arcade, because I hear it's great. Well, let's 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 talk about Iwata. Ask Iwata, just because we haven't talked about it for weeks. Hello. This is Satoru Iwata from Nintendo. So we have like what three three chapters to talk about here? Yeah, and we kind of talked about this before, but chapter two and chapter one kind of blend together a lot, I think, in there. Well, chapter yeah, chapter Content. two was like about like business management and stuff, about like moving your members around and stuff, and I, that didn't really do that much for me. I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't really not that much memorable stuff from here. But I, I remember I like captured some, or I took a picture of some of the lines from chapter three. In chapter four, it actually starts to get even more interesting because chapter four it starts talking about like Shigeru Miyamoto working with them, and of course they talk about the Earthbound development as well, which I had actually already read because when I first got the book, I mm-hmm. flipped straight to the Earthbound section. But I still caught some more stuff this time around that I that I missed last time. So it was. Oh, no, chapter four has been the best one so far. Yeah, because they actually start to get into the video game development, and also uh, I really like the the part where he talks about the whole like 
Miyamoto watching over your shoulder, like watching you play mm-hmm. over your shoulder. I thought that was really interesting. And that kind of makes sense. That, that sounds like something that Miyamoto would actually do. And he was saying that Miyamoto would like yep. choose somebody pretty much at random from the from the development crew and have them try whatever game they've been working on. And he'll just kind of watch and try to figure out like maybe what they get stuck on or if they're actually figuring out like the way the game is going. And right. try you get to, the controller and say, here, play, not tell yeah. them anything about the game. Yeah. And, tr- and and hope that it's uh, pretty understandable. And reading it and thinking about it, I was like, well, is this is this the reason that we've gotten to so many tutorials in a lot of these games now, <laughs> where they just have no faith in anybody figuring it out? Because like those, well, it uh, reminded me of uh, Mario Maker levels. Because like yeah. you would, I remember early on making like these really cool. Like I thought they were awesome levels. I'm like, it's so straightforward how you do this, and then you would play it or somebody else would play it. Be like, I keep getting stuck on this part. Yeah, be like, you'd I don't go know where to go. Yeah. You'd see like all these right. X's and all these people are dying here. And you're like, why are they dying? Don't they know you do this? So right. I like the idea of actually uh, it's play testing, but it's like the most critical form because he's literally watching you do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's within the company too. It's like, okay, here you, you try it. Like, see, like not but even, I really like, yeah. Yeah, what he what he kind of said about Miyamoto was like, and he didn't say this exactly. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like Miyamoto will look at his work under a microscope, and then he'll also look at it through a telescope at the same time. Like he looks at it like super close, like micro things, but then he zooms way the fuck out and looks at the macro. Like here is the entire game within the context of everything within the game. Therefore, like, and that's when Iwata starts talking about when Miyamoto says he solved a problem, it wasn't that he just figured a little element out. It's that he figured something out that would solve many different problems within the context of the entire game. So Mm. that's a really cool insight into like Miyamoto's mind that I haven't really heard before. I also thought it was really interesting that he talks about how Yamauchi was the original, was the originator for the Nintendo DS. Did you catch that? Where he was like the first guy to be like, we got to build something with two screens. Like, I guess he was really pushing the two screen thing for a long time, you know? And I was like, oh, I didn't know it went went all the way back to Yamauchi. Anytime I hear something about him having a strong opinion about a video game, I find that fascinating because my understanding was that he never even played any video games. Yeah, he wasn't really much of a gamer. Yamauchi wasn't, right? He played uh, Go, right? Like, that was his game. He probably played Mahjong too, but. Like, I know Go was kind of a similar, like, I, in that book Game Over by Chef that I read years ago, mm-hmm. it talks a lot about Go being kind of like basically what golf is in the Western world, where you're sizing each other up over a business meeting that's also a game. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he applied what he knew about those tabletop games to video games or what. But it's also like... Uh, Iwata well, says at one point he's like he's he's given an he's giving it the example of I wanted the Wii to be no taller than two what was it two stack DVD cases three yeah three I, stack DVD cases he's like in a way that sounds almost the exact same thing as what as uh, as Yamauchi being like give it make something with two screens yeah just do it or like Steve Jobs being like make uh, it make it say hello make a thing that's like it's like a little tiny tablet computer but it's also a phone. And it's all sure right. player. Like, yeah. and it's got to be that. the size of a pack of cards, is what he said. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah he and just it, said, "Let's do that," and then he told a bunch of people to do it for him. And 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 also like what what he was talking about, how Yamauchi would refer to like every, and this is very much a Nintendo thing, but it was interesting that it came all the way back to him. But it's like every system has to be its own thing. Like they don't want to make 
you can't make the same thing every time. Everything has to have a gimmick, you know, and that's very much the mentality of Nintendo. But he talked about that as well. It's like where every system has to do something new. It can't just be the same system as every other system. And they've been doing that for a while, especially, you know, after the after the Wii, you know, and the Switch and the Wii U and all that stuff. But it's very much the Wii like, U was yeah. almost was almost too much of the same thing, even though it had that mm-hmm. controller like we've talked about in the past, like a lot of the customer customer base thought it was just an add on to the Wii. Yeah, that was the problem. Well, and also they should have like named it like not like Wii U. Like Wii mm-hmm. U is such a weird ass. Like they could have called it just like I don't I never understood why they didn't just call it like Wii 2. If, mm-hmm. if you want to follow the whole Wii structure, even though I think one of the best things that Switch ever did was just completely ditching the Wii stuff completely and just going their own path with it. I felt like that was a huge help them be such a success in that way. You know, instead of being like, okay, all your old controllers still work with this. And, and that was like a big confusion about Wii U where it's like, we need to just like, just drop Wii completely and just make this other thing. You know, it mm-hmm. kind of sucks that, that all the older controllers don't work with it anymore, but we just got to move on, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and I feel like that helped the Switch in a lot of ways. But just the way they talk about, like, everything having to be different and all that, it's like, well, here, this is like the mentality of Nintendo. Like, everything has to have its own thing. It can't just be – and I think that's a problem with why we don't really see a lot of sequels to games that we want to see sequels to. It's because every fucking Nintendo game has to have a thing. It has to have some sort of weird fucking quirky gimmick, and that's why we'll never see another – f-zero game because they can't think of some way to make it like you know to make it quirky to, to, inno- to innovate or whatever yeah it could have taken and they took those and put them in mario kart i think yeah well they yeah they ran out of stuff we're like well mario kart let's make everything like upside down and do all the things mm-hmm. that f-zero did so it's like okay well there goes f-zero but it literally it, put f-zero levels in it yeah it, it, well, obviously to, to let us know that they're not doing any more f-zero shit you know because they're full-on putting well they already had like there were already ways to put captain falcon in there and you know captain falcon's ship was already in the game way before that i think it was even as far back as the gamecube one but uh but yeah it's like what i would do for a new f-zero this is a bit of an aside so yes nintendo has two racing games but um you know one is mario kart the more casual one f-zero should be then the more serious one the more almost like take make it less arcadey even Make it more a little sim. bit, take t- a little bit more sim level, a little bit more Gran Turismo. Even though, yes, you're, you're in flying cars and all that stuff. I say I don't want that. But though. go go <laughs> go a little bit more just to differentiate. I'd say the reason that they aren't making one is because they can't. It, it doesn't have its own thing. That could be its own thing. It could, they could make it a little bit more of a uh, intense, serious racing game made by Give it a story mode if, if nothing else like, i mean it had one though i mean th- exactly this, so th- continue that this is this is the thing with f-zero this is basically what happened to f-zero so the original reason of f-zero being made was to show off the hardware of the super nintendo because it's this like right. futuristic game and that was the whole reason they made it and they wanted to do the same thing with 64 but then after that they didn't want to do anything more with it so that's why gx was made by sega was made by something else because Nintendo didn't want to carry on with it, so they Enjoy. don't really, they don't really want to do anything with it. That's the idea. That's why a lot of these games are not getting sequels. It's just because there's not anybody who's at the company that's like, I want to do, I want to do a F Zero game. You know, I don't remember exactly. Maybe I'm misremembering, but wasn't Mario Kart based off of like it was originally going to be the F Zero Two, and then they changed it up? I don't know. An early stage. 
I don't know because story F- like that because F Zero was like a launch game for the Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. so it came out at the I very mean, it beginning. It was one player, which I think it was super detrimental to it as far as making it like survive. Because was it ever a two player? Was it two player on GameCube? F Zero. Yeah. yeah, I have it. I just haven't played it. Yeah, no. Game. Everything after the Super Nintendo one was multiplayer. All the F Zero games were. You could actually even play. have the sixty four game. The 64 game is multiplayer. The GameCube one mm. is multiplayer. You can actually play two-player. I mean, you can do two-player Grand Prix stuff in, in the GameCube one. And then there was two Game Boy Advance games, right? Yeah. And one of them was based on the anime that was out at the time. And Well, there was one that came out at the very beginning. I think it was mm. one of the launch titles. But once again, it was trying to show the uh, the technical aspects of the Game Boy Advance. The first one was Maximum Velocity. And then there was the one, which was the final F-Zero game. The GP Legend, which is based on the anime that came out after that. So I have all those games. So, but I, I mean, I feel like I'm the one of the main F Zero fans, and I really don't want it to be a sim game. I want it to be an F Zero game. I don't want it to be more like realistic because it's part of the fun of, I don't know. I would I just know, I think it'd be kind of cool if you had to get into like little street races and stuff and collect materials to upgrade your car. And that could be cool. I don't mind doing little mini stuff, but I don't want it to be like Gran Turismo. I don't want realism in my F-Zero. I want it to still exist on other planets. You and don't want stuff. W- water on the track to affect your steering or something. Well, I mean, I guess it's already there on the Super Nintendo version. Like in the big blue level, there's water on the track that affects your, your steering. It's part of the track. A real-time Captain Falcon beard growth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want that. Mr. EAD, I want his mustache to, to grow in real time. <laughs> Mr. EAD, who looks exactly like Mario. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the Iwata book? We kind of got real sidetracked with the F-Zero talk there, but it's got to happen for everything. So I have noticed one thing that he says in Chapter 3, he talks about it a lot, I think too as well, is that you repeat an idea over and over again, which in a way, like, I don't like seeing Iwata say that because that's the way, like, kind of politics really has been the past few years it's just like and maybe it's always been this way and i've just noticed it recently but it's like the same talking points boom over and over and over and over and over and over again until people brainwash you start hearing people verbatim saying these talking points so when awada is like well sometimes when you have an idea you just have to repeat it over and over again until people start repeating it within the company like i wasn't super cool with that but i also think that maybe that was like a loose translation of what he actually meant or whatever. It was more like you need to keep communicating your idea of your grand vision for what the whole company is doing. And then, and then eventually people will start to see it your way. And then the, the, the wires will connect in their brain in the right way to where it makes sense to them. And then they figure out their own way of explaining it to other people that you never would have figured out. He doesn't say it in those words, but that's how I like to think of, of it rather than just literally like the brainwashing of the repetition. Yeah. But, uh, he keeps saying and many times, like there's a whole like period and you gotta, I guess this is all like kind of based on interviews and stuff in this whole book, but he just keeps saying like my number one goal in life is to make people happy and to help people. And like, that's even so in his like, yeah, that's like, He's like, I'll tell people this and I'll tell this person that. And this is what I feel. And I, I feel like within the span of like two chapters, because I read three, uh, three and four today, he says that like multiple times. And it's like, it even gives like, he's talking about who is the guy who worked on Earthbound with him that he, that he considers like a mentor, but he's also like, I barely knew the guy for a year and I was 
confiding all these things to him. And the guy told me that I was, what do you say? You were, uh, it wasn't foolish, but it was something along those lines where like. Shigesato Itoi. Yeah, yeah. Basically, where he was kind of telling him that he was like allowing his. I don't, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. Just that, I guess, kind of like that. It's Itoi almost told him that was a flaw. If, like, he's the only one that whatever was like this guy kind of told me maybe that was a flaw that i was too too that i was too generous i think that's what he said so it was like a backhanded compliment that's why i was trying to make sure i phrased it correctly because it's like yes obviously you're saying something nice you're very generous but maybe you're being taken advantage of or maybe your entire vision isn't actually being correctly played out because you're making all these exceptions and you're saying stuff like it might be your first day at the company, but if you have a program that can that's better than my program, I'm going to respect you for it. He even specifically says, like, even if I don't like you, even if I hate, he doesn't say I hate your guts, but if I hate your guts and you have a solution to a problem that's better than mine, I will respect you for it and I will implement it. I mean, they, they kind of had to with uh, Earthbound, you know, where they talk about that, where, yeah. you know, he comes in there and takes a look at the what they had been making for four years and it was kind of broken. And, uh, you know, he's like, I can basically I can basically take what you have and try to fix it. And that's going to take me like two years or you can just let me start all over again and I'll do it in six months, you know, <laughs> and that's what uh, which I thought was incredible. And then just the fact that he made like the map screen move as you walk through the mm-hmm. game that just blew everybody's mind. And he's like, this is just a small thing that I did like in a day. You know, this is just this is just the beginning, you know. And then he also makes sure to like let you know that. No, we didn't actually rebuild it from the ground up. Like all those assets and those ideas were still there. Yeah, like the music and the story and the character mm-hmm. design and all that stuff was there. He just made it. He just rebuilt the actual like engine of it to make it play mm-hmm. better. Which is yeah, because he's like all this stuff needed to be. The, he he has a really good way of like basically not telling them that you've been wasting time for four years. You know, they're still like mm-hmm. all the stuff that you built was great, but you needed this, and you know. Mm-hmm. And and he and he get, it's nice that he gave him the option to go one way or the other, even though he said that like the better way would just be to start from scratch as far as the programming mm-hmm. goes, and just let him develop it. And then he like finished it. What they finished it in like a year after that, like six months, and then another six months to go through and just try to iron out all the kinks and all that stuff. So it's just so interesting, like for how much how much of a cult following this game has, and they even talk about that too. How everybody loves it so much, and then you know you still just keep thinking about how Mother Three was just never like the same thing in the vault, uh, mm-hmm. in the vault with Captain Rainbow and all that. And it's like you guys know that there's a big following around Earthbound, but you just don't embrace it. Even though I have a feeling there's got to be some sort of plan, right? Since they never put Earthbound on Nintendo Switch Online, they never put Earthbound One on there, even though it was released for Wii U. There has to be some sort of Earthbound collection or something that's they're planning on releasing at some point. It's what I've always thought in my mind. I don't know. I feel like that there's something that they're planning on doing, and that's why they haven't put Earthbound yet out yet. It also could just be if they have limited resources and want to channel, channel them to the money makers. And you know, I, I hope it's the, I, I hope it's your idea, but well, I they, suspect it could be that. I'm just saying it wouldn't take any time for them to stick the Super Nintendo one that came out now, or that came out, just putting that mm-hmm. on Nintendo Switch Online. I don't think that's going to take... I don't think that's going to be a problem <laughs> to put it on there, you know? No, especially since it was on the SNES. Yeah, it was already on the SNES. Classic. It's on the 3DS. The it's on the Wii U. And everything. It's yeah. on all. It's on everything. They already released it three times. Right. You know, they've, they've re-released it three times already. So I figured you would have at least seen that on there in some way. Unless that's there and, and now this thing. But I like I that. definitely think they have something up their sleeve, but 
it may not be mm-hmm. anytime soon that we see that. I like to, I, there was, there was a couple lines that I actually took pictures of with my phone because I like the way, uh, the way he talked about it in the third chapter. Like I could just read them. Was it the, the best bet both on the individual level and the corporate level is to take stock of your abilities and assign priority to minimize regret. Regret, regret is part of life and it's, but it's something we would rather all rather avoid if we can even slightly dial back how often we tell ourselves, I wish I'd done things differently we'd be a whole lot happier. I actually like that where people, you know, it just seems like I'm into the whole, like, you know, having priorities and all that instead of being like, just not trying to spread yourself out too thin, I think is what he's trying to talk about. Like, don't try to do all of these things. Maybe just focus on things that make you happy and less about whatever you feel like you should be doing or whatever. I don't know. Society would tell you to do learning. And I, and I totally agree with them because I know this is true for me and it's probably true for people universally, but if I'm going to retain information, I have to be interested in it. So that's exactly. why like, you have to like, I make watch it your own. Yeah. I watch a documentary about bats. I didn't know that I care that much about bats, but I watched this documentary about bats and it was so interesting that I remember that they shit at 7 PM every day or something. You know what I mean? Like some weird specific detail is ingrained in my memory because it was so interesting in how it was shown to me. So he's saying like, you have to care about something. You have to be interested in something to retain that information, which I do appreciate because that's the way my brain works too. Yeah. I think that's the next, I think that's the next page that I took a picture of is what you were just saying, where he says, if you force yourself to study things that have no bearing on the world around you, the material will have no way of sinking in. So rather than waste your time, it makes far more sense to prioritize the things that you truly enjoy, whatever speaks to you. So that's what, yeah, that, that's basically what you were just saying. But that was another line where I was like, oh, that, that's a great line. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like, don't feel like you have to spend your time doing things just because other people do things or other people say it's a priority. In the end, you're just kind of be, you're going to be hitting your head against the wall because you don't genuinely care about that thing yeah. in and of yourself. You, you'd be much more useful to humanity by investing in the things that you do care about. Yeah, and sometimes you got to, Sometimes you get to stop and smell the roses, right? Stop trying, stop trying to do so, do so much, you know. Like spend mm-hmm. enough, at least like, at least prioritize your own happiness and all that. If you spend, I mean, I think you would regret more if you spent your own, your whole life trying to like, I don't know, accomplish whatever, but you never had a time, never had any time to actually enjoy anything. Then it would be like mm-hmm. much more sad. You know, in the end, you're going to be like, well, I, I regret like working all the time or just constantly saving money or whatever you know like that type of thing and not actually letting yourself live you know that's that's kind of that's kind of what i thought of i was looking at that all this stuff's a lot more poignant knowing that he you know that he had such a especially since he had such a limited time left right right right. who knows what else he would have done for the company let alone whatever you know other philanthropic yeah phil whatever other (laughs) ventures he had (laughs) yeah i know what you mean trying to bring happiness to the, the world philanthropy those words, yeah. Yeah. Philanthropic. Is that how you'd say it? Yeah. That's like that. the word. Yeah. But no, it's it's good. And we only got like uh we only got like three uh, what, like three chapters left. I mean it's already probably like over halfway through it for sure. On my Kindle it says I'm sixty one percent through it. Oh, well, the digital will tell you exactly. Yeah. Gives you a little yeah, it's read. meter and everything. Well, I mean there's <laughs> there's I mean there's seven chapters. We're on chapter five, so I mean there's really for me, looking at an analog book right here, it looks like it looks like there's not that much left. You know, mm-hmm. you can tell that. Yeah, it's, you could sit and read the whole book in an afternoon, really. 
Yeah, it's it's a pretty easy read. You know, I just kind of, I just, even like with me being incredibly busy with work and stuff like that, I was still had enough time to sit down and read a chapter today. And it only took me like 15 minutes or so. So I think what I appreciate most so far is just the, his tone, his gentle tone. It's, it just permeates the whole book. And it's a, it's a nice, serene read from an analytical mind. Like I've, the, the thing that he said about living your life to minimize regret. Like, what a way to cut through all the worry and stuff that people do. I think a lot of people think that they can make progress and become happy in their life by if they just think through all the worry, if they you know, engage emotionally to try and solve this mental problem or whatever. But he's saying, just look at it with an analytical mindset. What can I do to minimize regret? And wow, I think that's the right way to go about it. I think that if people did that more, they could live a happier life. I think a lot of that's attitudinal too, because if you have kind of a, I don't know if you call it a healthy mindset, but a realistic mindset, whatever you want to call it, like you realize that you can't, you literally can't change the past. I mean, that's part of like, you can learn from things, but allowing regret to like hold you down. Maybe it's like accepting the fact that you're going to make mistakes is kind of what I'm saying. Like, and learning from that, because you could also perceive like, live your life to minimize regret is like, you know, don't take a lot of risks. And I, it's definitely not what he's saying because he definitely took some risks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like they were all very calculated risks because of the way his brain worked. And he was obviously right. like a prodigious mind, but it's still at the end of the day, you want to be happy with what you did. Yep. You don't want to think like, huh, yep. I wish I would have done this or whatever. I wish I would have done that. Yeah. If the risks you take stock of what you did and, but, and feel yeah. better about yourself. I don't think at the end of the day you're going to be like, man, I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have saved. I wish I would have argued more on the internet. I think I think you'd be more like, man, I wish I would have spent more time with people, or I would have just like chilled out. I don't know. Some people seem too focused on business and stuff. I wish I, I would have brought be. three. I mean, this coming from Iwata, who probably is super <laughs> focused on business. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. It's very it's it's like. He's telling you to do, you know, to do things to make yourself happy, but also, yeah, it is coming from like a Japanese company who does like spend a lot of time, you know, focusing on business and overworking themselves and all that type of thing. But, but no, it's a good, it's a good read. So it's, it's a real, it's a real nice, smooth read, and it's nice that we got, we finally get to talk about it again. We actually have enough like lull in our news stories to to get back into it. Like I think as, between this and like the announcement that they're going to, so what? There's a there's a museum opening up. I think we talked was that last week we talked about that. That they were opening up a museum. Yeah, about the history of Nintendo. History museum. Yeah. And then also, John, you posted that Yamauchi's family like put together a website that's kind of a yeah, so like a historical sort of thing, right? So uh, Yamauchi's family they posted a website which uh, I didn't write it down on here, but basically what they're doing is they're launching their their initiative to use their uh, inheritance for good causes. Looks like they're trying to invest in startup businesses and all that, and um, do something good with their money. Yamauchi number ten family office. It's like y n ten dot com. Yeah. Did you guys actually go to the site? I, I'm at it. I'm at it right now. It's got some really cool effects. Yeah, you. It is really cool. It, it says like number ten, and you click on it, and it like changes perspective, and it kind of just like flips around, and then it's like isometric. It's really cool. It has a nice. Even on my phone, it had a really cool animation, like just to look at it. Yeah, I looked at it on my phone too, and I think like if you're a web designer listening to this, go to this website. This this is really really cool looking. And there's it's just something and, else. 
And you, you probably, but there, there's like a fireworks going off in the background and like a unicorn, like running behind the number 10. And it's really yep. cool. It's almost a little bit like Fez, how Fez rotates. Yeah. It's like a 2D, but. And when you, and you can kind of like. The, the text is like on an angle. Yeah. So it's, like it's, it's like, like, it's like laying a, down flat and it's on an angle. Yeah. It's in like an isometric view and you can kind of like scan through and you see people like skateboarding and dancing and like flowers growing and there's like castles and clouds and stuff. It's really cool. And there's like a. There's like an eight, you know, kind of like eight bit ish, like uh, whatever you like voxel style, like fountain mm-hmm. that's going off, and there's like a sun and Japanese text and like uh, animals walking across it, and just all this like really cool shit to look at. It's really neat, and it just it seems like it goes on forever. Yeah, and there's like a stegosaurus and and a train, and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I was I kind of misinterpreted this. So this is philanthropy again. But I do wonder, like, between all this, if yeah. we're not, I mean, just this whole historical side of Nintendo that, sure, it's, you know, don't get me wrong, we've, people have talked about it for years, and it's been in games journalism and stuff, but, I mean, there's a rich history here for how old this company is, and, like, even just, like, the families that have been involved, and you see a lot of that in that Game Over book about, like, how it was a family business more so up until like 15 or 20 years ago. And I don't know. I think all that history is really interesting. And I think that history includes games like Captain Rainbow. Like this needs to be like, it sounds like to me when you're talking about Captain Rainbow, I'm thinking that's like a museum piece at this point. Like it is. What about it? Like, like it's an important historical work, whether or not we ever saw it. It's kind of one of those. I agree. Yeah. It's like, it makes me wish I had like more time or more talent and writing and stuff. But you hear about like, like I listened to this guy in a podcast who was just like talking about he like wrote a book about Resident Evil, just about his his experience with Resident Evil, and that's like his thing. And you know, it's like has anybody like written a book on like Captain Rainbow, as far as I know? Mm. Or I had this whole like idea when I was like trying to find all this specific Shin Megami Tensei like demon art book and stuff like that. Like that doesn't really exist. I'm like, man, if only I if only I had like better art abilities and all that, I would just go and write a fucking book about Shin Megami Tensei because it's not really there at all. Like I see a place that actually needs stuff, you know, and it's uh, it's just amazing that people, certain people can go out and do stuff like that. Like a guy we had on the Patreon, Chris Kohler, like writing a whole book about Final Fantasy V and like how he had to like translate that or try to translate it for himself and play it like all in Japanese when it came out and like mm-hmm. how that makes me wish I had more time and dedication to just like write a book about Shin Megami Tensei or something. And Somebody at Skip that... obviously had passion for these long lost Nintendo characters and they had, they had the talent to actually do something about it and made a game about it. Now I'm enjoying that game. That's so cool. For yeah, sure. And so one thing within, you know, going back to the book, the thing that Awana talks a lot about in chapter four is how his definition of a genius or whatever it, if it's just a, a, a marketing term he was using at the time or whatever, but he calls a genius, somebody who, yeah, who just doesn't give up on a concept. Like you start doing something and you get, you know, you get overwhelmed or uh, discouraged and you stop. He's like a genius is somebody who takes whatever that is and just keeps at it. They just don't stop. They just keep doing it. And he, and it like, it sounds like he's also almost saying like, obsessive people are geniuses in a way because that's i mean that, a lot doing, of, that's how you get things done too though right <laughs> it's just being right you don't stop obsessive like, about it and you just keep working on it i mean you know some a lot of these things that we see in the news like people spend like years just doing uh, especially like a lot of these indie games that have just like one developer mm-hmm. people spend like years and years on these games you know and it's just like one idea and it's just like just like being able to stay focused on something like that just amazes me yeah, how about the guy who wrote one piece 
Isn't that been going for like 30 years? Yeah. Since like, I think it started in 1999. Well, at least, well, I don't know when the manga did, but the anime started in 99. I know that. So yeah, he's been doing a lot of it. Wasn't it, uh, it wasn't One Piece, but one of the other, there was another anime that went around for a long time. And the guy who, the guy who was drawing that, like just recently died because he pretty much killed himself, uh, with all the, (laughs) with all the energy, energy that he put into the, yeah, that he put into it, like into the art and all that. I forget which one it was, but it was another one of those that had been been on for a really, really long time. And the guy. Pretty, oh, I know what you're talking about. Right? It was the one that was like the art looked like a Hronus Bosch almost. I, yeah, I don't, like I don't, that really like. I can't think of what exactly dark, it was, like he, hellscape kind of art. But he kind of like, pretty much like work overworked himself and pretty much it was died just a one word thing. It. Yeah, Damn, what was it? I want to say Berserk. like I want to say like Berserk or, or no Berserk yeah. Berserk yeah. Berserk. Yeah. Okay. There's that too, of course. <laughs> the other side of being a genius that's dedicated to one thing, you can also mm-hmm. almost kill yourself doing. Which Yamauchi or not, not Yamauchi. Um, Uematsu like almost like got himself mm-hmm. incredibly sick from working on soundtracks for RPGs and stuff like that, to where he doesn't do it all by himself anymore because he almost killed himself as well. I think doing Chrono Trigger or something like that. So I mean, happens. <laughs> or was or was Uematsu wasn't Chrono Trigger, right? It was. It, I think it was one of the later Final Fantasies that he almost killed himself. But uh, what else? What else do you guys want to talk about for this? I, I thought about talking about just just for a minute that Playdate thing, just because it's a Nintendo competitor. But did you guys watch that direct that they? Put I did out? watch it, and uh, I'm still like I'm still gonna stand on the side of the Ardu Boy and say that it was doing a lot of this already. Like it looks like it might. It kind of reminds little, me of the Ardu Boy. That's why I wanted to mention it. That if it it's if it, more it, spec'd up, but it's got essentially the same kind of screen. So that's where it's just kind of like, yeah. well, you. At this point, you might as well have just put a better put a better screen on it if you're doing all this. But this one has effects stuff. But this one has a crank. <laughs> no, right. It's it, it's the Ardu Boy is just basically like this little tiny portable. It's about you know, it's card a, game machine. It's about the size mm-hmm. of like half of your hand. You know, like it's a it's this little tiny thing, and you basically you know you buy the thing for what like 195 dollars or 75 or something like that. And yeah, uh, Ardu Boy. No, not not the Ardu Boy. You're talking about the play the, date. The play date. The, the play date is yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you buy you buy the play date and you get like a season of games included with that. So you get like two Which free now games has been upgraded every week. to twenty four. Yeah, for like a certain amount of time. And I find I just found it it's I thought it was just interesting to talk about just like the way that they're going with it. You know, where you buy a system and then you get all games automatically for it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like buying a service, you know, it's like kind of like getting like a Netflix service, but like more expensive, but you're still getting everything that's coming out is free to you. But I thought it was really interesting that they're also adding a game maker in there for free where you can make games mm-hmm. and put it on there also. So it's kind of like, I just felt like it was cool. It'd be a cool thing to talk about just because it's an interesting new way to handle video gaming, you know, like kind of going along it's, the. It's, it, it's cool, but it looks like a novelty and it's a very expensive novelty. Yeah. If it were a hundred bucks even, I mean, I I'm think not, it would be, that'd be good. I mean, I'm not going to buy one, but I mean. Uh, Me neither. I just thought it's just an interesting to look at to it's absolutely see like a, if this is necessarily it's not really a direct competitor for the Switch, but it's a different way of doing video game stuff. I'm starting to feel more Tamagotchi vibes from it when they announced this speaker. Like this is a piece of tech to have it work, you know, to like show people and be like, yeah, I got to feed my Tamagotchi. Sorry. Right. Hold on a second. Like, uh, yeah. Why do you need this giant bulky Bluetooth speaker for it? Like. I don't think sure it's cool. Yeah, exactly. Sure, it's cool, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. If that doesn't like reveal the gimmicks the future has to bring with this thing, then I don't know what does. Yeah, but you don't need that. Like, right? how do we, 
I thought that was that just Stan an says thing. says to me what it's all about. It's all about putting it on your desk so you look like a cool, weird, uh-huh. quirky person, and everybody says, "Oh, what's that over there?" Now everybody's gathered around your desk. I mean, the- look, I made a game for it where I kill everyone at my job. <laughs> I mean, the thing has a fucking <laughs> the thing has a fucking crank on the side of it. I mean, they're already being trying to be weird with that. And the, I remember the first time I saw this on Twitter, and I, there was a crank on there. I was like, so. So do you gotta like stop playing and then like crank it more like for the for the power to keep going like that's what that's the first thing that I thought yeah that it's like a wind up toy but you play because of those also. those radios you used to be able to buy at Walgreens where you would like crank them and you, you know, know like a, a music box and a radio on it yeah it's like a music box you know that's what I that's what I thought it was I don't know I mean I'm not gonna get one I mean I, I'm I not gonna get one either I mean I'm I'm intrigued by it and who knows maybe it'll end up being some sort of like blue ocean kind of thing maybe it's got a maybe it's got an audience that is going to really like it so one thing that i found really compelling and the oberden i don't know thing? If, right exactly yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that, like i don't know what these people are getting paid these people being programmers but like uh or if they if he's just taking a risk but yeah the oberden guy has some game about martians or something even he was like i don't completely understand how this game's going to play yet <laughs> yeah, but he but he said yeah he did flat out say my next project will be for the play date. So I mean they do have yeah. some people, and I saw Bennett's I saw Bennett Foddy's name on one of the games yeah. that they were showing through there. Isn't the Katamari Damacy guy doing one too? I thought I, I heard that. I, I thought he'd be that surprised. Up. I thought he but... I thought he just made uh, I thought he just made playgrounds. Now this is what I heard. He wasn't making video games anymore. He was making playgrounds. I guess for COVID, nobody plays in playgrounds, so that's that's kind of gone. But. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just found it an interesting thing. I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I, I won't even pay a hundred dollars to get like the backbone to play shit on my phone. So I, mean, I just think it's like I get if the art if the Ardu boy had had some good looking YouTubers promoting it, you know, or whatever, like creating that hype and doing TikTok videos or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just think like the Ardu boy if it had the marketing that Playdate has for whatever reason, either they have the access to the actual people or they've got the funds or whatever, which is kind of the same thing, but they've been able to promote this in, a, in such a way that it's like this cool little novelty. Whereas the Ardu boy was the same thing, but it was always kind of like intimidating to people. Cause it's like, Oh, and you can use Python to program it. And people are like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. Whereas, you know, Playdate's like, we have a program on here where you can make games and it's probably going to be a very similar kind of programming language, but, but it's interesting it that it's right. Scary, yeah. Oh yeah, and and it's and it and all you need is you just go to the website and you just make it and then you can put it on the you know it's just I mm-hmm. guess it's just like more it's the operating user system is, is easier yeah it's, it's much more mm-hmm. user friendly so or supposedly it is we don't really know yet or that's the way they that's the way they portray it but yeah because they still don't know exactly when it's being released yeah and it seemed like they were yeah they were basically kind of like oh we're gonna sell some and if you buy it earlier you'll get it earlier and. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to deal with the with the manufacturer, you know, with the delays on parts and stuff like that. So it seemed like they didn't really fully know exactly when it was going to come out. And Which all we, that. we haven't. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show, but there recently was an update to the Ardu Boy. And Kevin, the guy that, you know, invented the damn thing or whatever, he like got it together in its current form. He he and working with, I think, Holmes helped him out getting the uh, Ardu Boy FX is what they call it. And it's got all the games built into it already. So you have hundreds of games on it at the time you buy it and uh you can i think you can still add more but it has memory it's not just the little like whatever the 26k of flash or whatever i'm just guessing whatever the original amount of memory was is like expanded a lot and preloaded with stuff so yeah it sounded like a lot That's of work when you were talking about it into. 
like because you got to put because you can because you got to switch the game like just even putting a game on there sounded like a lot of work it when, was, when, it you, when you were talking about it so yeah it's, i it, mean it, they, if they could have added wi-fi to it and then made an app like like what's happening with controllers now yeah that'd be badass like the art boy could totally thrive but add like a little bluetooth receiver in it and you could send games to it that way it's kind of like a, yeah no I, I do see like the similarity for sure between the two of them where it's like this is almost the well, ever since the Playdate Ardu, was first Ardu, announced, yeah. I've been on Team Ardu will even stronger. So. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not on the side of it. I just thought it'd be interesting just to talk about the video, you know, because this is the only thing I've really seen of it. And I'm like, oh, well, they have some stuff. And I was like, could this even work? I mean, I don't know. I guess if you got money to throw around and you want to just... They even added a crank to the Ardu boy. Like, it was like a, a prototype somebody made. But really? Yeah, they, t- <laughs> they totally figured out a way to make an Ardu boy with a crank on it made a few like silly games for it i could see you like maybe buying it for like your kid or something and being like here you get like 24 games with this thing and that's all you got (laughs) i don't know if you want to just if you really want to isolate them from the rest of their class and just be like you don't get a playstation or a nintendo or anything you just get this here you go this is your fucking play date kid we'll give this to you so you don't don't get any play dates in real life but there's not a single fishing game there's a fishing game on there it was in, what I'm just saying. That's <laughs> how you would punish your kid. Be like, here's this thing that looks like it's for fishing, but there's no game on it. Oh, I was going to say, it was in the video, that's though. A, there is a fishing game in there yeah, where you use the crank. <laughs> they are going to do that, though, of course. But yeah, that's enough about that. Is there anything I else? I want to talk about this because there was um, on America's Got Talent, there's a YouTuber that I've been following. Probably a lot of the people listening know who this is. Keith Apicary, who's actually a character played by a guy named Nathan Barnett. But Keith Apicary is this character who loves video games and and for about maybe 15 years now, he's been appearing in videos about different games. And he, he his thing is he's into a lot of physical comedy, so he'll always find a way to fall down or do something stupid in his videos. And uh, his videos are fantastic. I watch I've watched every single one of them. I'm pretty sure. And I think the guy is like a really hard worker. He's a, he puts out a lot of stuff, and I'm just glad to see him on TV getting some recognition. So. Uh, if you don't know about him, check out America's Got Talent and check out Keith Apicary on there. He's dancing on there. That's what he's doing. Um, it's pretty funny. I it's very it. funny. Yeah, it's very funny. He's got some really like because he's he's definitely like a breaker. Like I imagine he's yep. he's like a hardcore breaker if he needed to be, and uh, he just like his his control over the movements of his body. Like he'll look awkward and out of place but at the same time you can tell he actually has like supreme control over all the muscles in his body and he's like slowly arching his back where his butt sticks up more to the the music Mm -hmm. or whatever these kind of moves he does they're really impressive i'm surprised that american got talent still on tv actually i haven't heard of it i haven't heard about it in a long time well they almost went off but then they went on another show called tv shows got talent and they like (laughs) they won the contest they got back on I automatically thought about American Inventor, which is a show I actually worked on. Well, I did like I recorded some of the tryouts for that, which I don't think that's a show anymore. But that was I like that one because that actually Sounds involved like Shark Tank. that actually involved like well, this is pre Shark Tank, I think, because I worked on this like I don't know, fifteen years ago or something like that. But uh, it was when I was still doing production assistant work. But it was a uh, I like that one because it actually involved smarts and less uh, just singing or whatever. You actually had to invent mm-hmm. shit. And one of my favorite ones there was somebody who tried out who basically made. It was basically a super soaker that also shocked you at the same time. So <laughs> basically like a what? It was basically like a taser. A taser with, it was water a taser gun. with water <laughs> and they actually like didn't let him through because it was too much of a evil genius idea, but that was my favorite one out of all of them that yeah. 
Because because you have to have that one like mad scientist come in there that's making some sort of death ray or something, and that was like yeah, it was this uh, super soaker uh, electricity uh, gun. It was pretty amazing, but of course of course it didn't make it through. I don't know me me playing so many RPGs. The first thing I saw thought it said was Keith Apothecary, and I'm like, who's that? Mm-hmm. Does, does he make potions? Because I don't know who this guy is. I've never seen him before. But, oh, uh, you should watch all his videos. I think I think you'd like him. I've seen him on YouTube the whole yep. time. YouTube has has existed. For yeah, much. I mean, I don't, I don't watch, I don't watch YouTube. He videos, pops up above so, I mean, the place. But the only time I watch him is when I'm editing, when I need to put something on the background. So, I mean, I don't know. I see him right here. I saw him on the thing. He's got really weird haircut. And let's see. I remember videos where he'd be boy. like doing a dance, and he would do. It would look random, but obviously it wasn't. And then he would just keep being like, while the song's playing, like the setting would change. Mm-hmm. But he would like remain consistent in his movements or whatever, and then like a new location. That's kind of the stuff I remember him doing on YouTube back in the day. Yeah, he had a couple of videos go viral. Some of his videos have a few million hits. One of them was probably his biggest one before this would be he he crashed an audition, a dance audition for a music video, and he mm-hmm. came into this audition. He's got like his uh, virtual. He's wearing a virtual boy helmet, and he's got like a Sega CD on his side. Like that's his Walkman, like a whole Sega CD, that kind of thing. Yeah, he's got a couple other music videos. He sings about Neo Geo, uh, and he's he's like touring around the town with like an entire Neo Geo cabinet singing about Neo Geo. So this guy, he's like a a real video game fan, knows his stuff about video games, and now he's got a platform, and I'm glad for him. So everybody, go vote for him. I think. I don't know. I don't remember how to do that. I think you have to go to like some website or you have to text a number to something. I actually downloaded the app. So I've never, I've never voted on this show. I've I've watched it from time to time. I like the show. I've never voted on it before, but I'm going to vote for this guy. He deserves it. Cool. Um, One thing it's not underlined in here, but I did want to talk about just because it's important because he's a famous person, but Yuji Naka has been, has has been kind of fired from Square Enix after that uh, wonderful Balan Wonderland game came out which uh, was ended up being awful and you know yuji naka was i mean he was like involved in the creation of sonic and doing uh, yeah. you know all these other great games and i think was that, he fired or, or did they part ways amicably? well i think i think that he's completely giving up video game making is, is what i heard it's like he's he, like done or he's saying he's done what i read whatever like a few days ago was that he just wasn't saying the details he's just like i'm not working here anymore it's kind of like hmm. We never really found out why, or I guess never explicitly found out why, like, Jarrett left IG, and I think it's kind of a professional thing where you're just kind of like, well, eh, I just don't work there anymore. You just kind of leave it at that, because that's what you gotta do. I think it most likely was because of Valens, and then I'm kind of like, was that like his producers? Was he trying to get... Well, I mean, I think they put, I mean, I think they put a decent amount of money into Balan Wonderland, and I mean, it was, like, really bad, and everybody said it was really bad, and I'm sure they didn't sell any, and anything of it and it's just uh yeah i don't know i mean it's already dropped in price like multiple times like <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was pretty trash uh from the start and, and it was just like i'm sure it was completely related to that i don't know and then i also was reading some comments you know i don't know how much stock i'll take in it but that he's super he was super protective of sonic and not wanting them to do certain things with sonic and maybe his leaving the company has to do with that as well like some ultimatum about how sonic's going to be used in new ip kind of stuff so who knows there could be there's 
someone who's worked for a company that long, there's got to be like some complicated reason. Like, and maybe there's not. Maybe they're just like, here's a pile of money. You just don't work here anymore. And he was like, oh, cool. I don't know. I figured they just put a lot of stock in, in this product and the product didn't do what they expected it to be. And they're like, you know, see you later. Adios, dude. I figured that was what it was. I mean, that, that's what a lot of the video game industry is based on now. Is uh, That's why we don't get as much as many like interesting games anymore, I don't think, because a lot of it is like, oh, it needs to sell or it needs to have the certain mm-hmm. amount. And, and that sucks that they don't get Well, that's why game. indies are so important in yeah, this time. because they can be more experimental and all that because they don't have to sell as much. But it's but like with a huge company like Square Enix, I would think that they would want some sort of return on this on this game, and they probably didn't get exactly what they wanted, and that's a shame, you know, because that happens with a lot of stuff. It definitely felt like the weirdness of Knights. In yeah, it definitely had Knights way. stuff in it, but uh, in the worst way. Yeah, yeah. Like when you like when the 3D parts of the original Knights game, where you're like, why why is this even in this game? This is so bad. It's kind of what the whole game felt like. Yeah, well, yeah, it just it just like everything that was in there just didn't play, just didn't work right. It was like a mm-hmm. very floaty and weird. It's like here's things. a new. It, it, it's like yeah, it's it's very much a giant like farmer. A, then he disappears. What? Well, yeah. No, oh, there's another one. Oh, he disappeared. <laughs> well, What's a ballon? You know. Well, it's also like, like it's like yeah. a, like Jeremy was saying like way back when we first talked about it, it's like. It's like okay, this is like cappy, except every cap thing you get sucks. You get like <laughs> you get like one button to do one thing, and I think there's even two that have like similar things, but none of them are fun, and none of them work for anything really. It's basically what it is, you know. So it's just not it's just not fun to play, and it's just like why? That's that's what that's what that game. Is. I would be interested if this gets super bargain bin in price. Like let's say like five bucks, I might buy it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think streamers got some. Do a forensic investigation. Kind of, yeah. Let's say st- st- streamers got some pretty good uh, play out of it. So there you go. People, yeah, people were watching people stream stream bad. Games, I know Donkey you know, played so. it and had some things to say. I'm sure they were hilarious, but I mean, people from IGN played it too. Like I saw, you know, like a the people who are big streamers played it just for shits and giggles, you know, and that's just kind of mm-hmm. what they got out of it. So let's talk about this comment. Oh yeah, we we got we got a comment. We got a comment on last week's show. I always I always try to read these, but I'm trying to be better at it. Anyway, Tim Hendrickson sent us a comment about last week's episode. He said about an hour in, while talking about Disaster Day of Crisis, the PlayStation One game John was trying to think of was called Incredible Crisis. That game is all kinds of crazy about each member of a family trying to get home for Grandma's birthday party. Wackiness ensues in the process. It has a really good soundtrack by the Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra. Oh. If you haven't checked it out before, it's worth taking a look, but may be ridiculously expensive due to a limited release. Initially, I thought he was talking about Disaster Report, which had his first game on the PlayStation 2. That's what I thought. Because wasn't there a demo on the Switch of one of the Disaster games where it's like an yes. earthquake? Yeah, that's it's what a I, weird game. That's what I thought that John was talking about was Disaster Report, the same one that he was same. saying. Because uh, Disaster Report 4 was the one that was on Switch that had a demo that we all played. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Disaster Report 1 was on PlayStation 2, but the one that you were talking about with the family yep. was called... Uh, yeah, Tim was totally right. I was talking about Incredible, Incredible Crisis. Crisis. Yeah. So there's like, as I recall, there's one moment where like the father's coming home from work and like a boulder is going after him. And this is all kinds of wacky stuff that happens in this game. I've never played it before. I've always wanted to play it. But I guess it's, it's probably, like you said, I bet it's really expensive because it's not a very popular game. That means the price is going to be high these days. Uh, it's, it's not that bad. Uh, 
First oh. thing I pulled up was $55 or best offer, free shipping. I mean, okay. it's not cheap. I mean, it's not like $10, That's but it's not cheap, but it's 55 like not isn't. It's not like Cubivore. It's not like yeah. $300 Cubivore prices. Or, well, or I was looking at Chibi like Robo that. while we were talking. And oh, I was yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah, we talked about that. Expensive that is. Because yeah. it's like 300 Is it going up? Something. Last time I looked, it was like 250 Yeah, it's around there. Mm-hmm. Game only, like, still hovering around 200 Wow. All right. Well, uh, I think that's, uh, unless you guys have anything else to say, I think that's good for this episode. I'm excited for what we have to say next week. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff. Yeah, next side, next week will be, our, will be our big E3 episode. I figure we'll be talking about that for the most part. Of course, Jeremy will be talking about Garage, the Garage game, too. So it'll be good to hear about that. And I will have a garage next week. Oh, yeah. I will be... move to my new house that has a garage. Oh, you should nice. only play this game in your garage. <laughs> Garages are great. You can put your, like, I mean, that's where I'm building my games for sure. You can put your Dungeon Master guides in there and all, and all that stuff. You know, 12 sided dice. It'll be great for you to hang out in your garage there. Oh, I did. Uh, I did want to say. Uh, this is just a stupid thing, but th- because it said the Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra, did you guys see that skanking is getting added as a dance move to? Yes. Uh, to it's uh, a summer of sky uh, to Fortnite. So, uh, I mean, I never really doubted you because you, you probably know more about musical music nowadays than I do. But ska is, I guess, apparently in full swing if it shows up in Fortnite, right? Yep. So I had a, you know, I've been. You say swing has come back too? No, no, I didn't say that. I said, <laughs> please, no. I mean, uh, they're both on their own same level of annoyance, I think. But it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's whatever to each their own. If you like music, cool. But I just thought it was funny that that like after we had talked about it for for like a month, then it was posted on Twitter. They're like, "Oh, Scott's coming back," and I was like, "Yeah, I heard about it like two months ago from Jeremy." So it's yeah. uh, <laughs> it's not. Uh, thankfully, I don't really have to hear it anywhere, so. It's fine, but it was just weird. My dumbass. Speaking of, uh, it was just weird. Just thinking of Fortnite, I just wanted to mention because I, you know, I've been reading Marvel comics on my on my tablet that I got however long back. I'm still reading through a bunch of stuff on Marvel Unlimited and all that. And I got to the point where all of a sudden I got to the point where all the, well, I'm like I'm reading a Fantastic Four comic and it ends. It's like here, read this new Marvel event. Uh, you know, the Nexus War or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm reading it, and it's like Galactus and like Thor is looking for planets for him. And then all of a sudden, Thor goes to Fortnite. <laughs> he lands on the Fortnite planet, and Galactus is going to go eat that <laughs> planet. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? Like, I had no no I had no idea that this comic was going to end in Fortnite. And I'm like, oh my god, there's the fucking banana guy. He's on the oh my. It's like, yeah, Fortnite rules everything, <laughs> and that's what it's the crossover you didn't expect. You're like, well, Marvel's in Fortnite, but luckily it's not the other way around. Well, you know, everything everything on Marvel Unlimited is like a few months behind, you know, because mm-hmm. they gave you everything for free from the beginning. Why would you ever buy comics ever again? Yeah. But so I and I'm still a few issues behind in the Fantastic Four. And I was just reading, and I completely forgot that there was that huge Marvel crossover where you could pay whatever to get like Marvel three seam skins and stuff like that. And I was like, I was like, oh my god, Galactus is on is on Fortnite. Fortnite is in my comic. What the hell happened? <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. So yeah, Fortnite is still. A then lot you of immediately life. jumped up and started flossing. No, I was just like, this sucks. Stay out of my comics, damn it. <laughs> so that's what I said, but. Yeah, but that's been our episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening to us. And thanks so much for sending us a comment, Tim Hendrickson. And thank you for listening for the show. Thanks for listening to the show. And anybody else who's listening to us, feel free to comment on our Facebook group or, you know, send us. You can always send us an email at nintendomainpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email there or you can comment on our Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account is at Nintendo underscore domain. Jeremy's at jmaxtack. 
or, you know, Facebook, Nintendo Main Podcast. If you pretty much Google it, you'll see all of our different things where you can contact Discord us too, on right? there. Oh, Discord just for patrons, right? Oh, yeah, we have a Discord as well for patrons. Yeah, for anybody at the anybody who supports us at all on patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast, where you can get all sorts of bonus episodes. There will be a new episode out this week, I promise. It'll actually be edited before this one's done, so it'll be up there. And for anybody on the free feed, you'll get to hear like 20 minutes of it for free. So check it out. Our newest episode about the best video game movies there are, in our opinion. We'll, that'll, be, that'll be up there. But if you want to support the show, you want to hear bonus episodes, you want to get episodes 20, uh, 12 hours in advance with higher bit rate, minus commercials, all that fun stuff, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast and get that. And yeah, at the dollar level, you can get a disc- you'll get a Discord address where you could just talk to us and other patrons and stuff like that through that. And also at $5 and above, you can get merchandise. For anybody who's listening to this, update your address so we can send you stuff. Because there's a couple people who don't have their addresses updated on there. So do that. But yeah, next week we'll be back to do E3 and all that shit. Uh, YouTube.com slash Podcast is also our other place where you can find videos of us. Which I haven't posted anything lately, but I should be posting stuff there soon ish also i have another i have another show where Justin and i talk about old movies and how they are now we just did a episode about american beauty which is really hard to watch and talk about so if you want to I listen bet. to us talk about pedophiles playing pedophiles you can listen to that episode which is the last one that we just did but it's not as beautiful as they make you think it is for sure i'll tell you that much but we've been your hosts i'm trey johnson i'm jerry mikowski john Nitter. and we'll see you next week thanks for listening see you Margie, come here. Talk on the camera.